0: All right, we've got live pizza live. Right now I'm live. Welcome to the live version of Pizza Punk. My name is Pizza Jeff and I'm here with Pizza Al- he calls himself Alex. I-, I like to call him Zombie Alex. That's You his, can
1: call uh, me whatever you want, Jeff.
0: I just won't call you late for pizza. That's the only thing but I won't call you late. No
1: for. one would ever
0: call me late <laughs> for pizza. Well, how did why 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 Zombie Alex? Where did that come from?
1: That came from several really lazy bandmates. Wow. So here's the thing. Um, I started playing in the Zombie Mafia. Uh, basically, I'll get to the I'll get to the name. I I promise this is relevant. Um, I started playing in that band because of the Misfits and the Adolescents. I was working at a day camp with our other guitarist, Dave, who's a couple of years younger than me. And we both found out that like, we liked those bands. And he tells me, you know, I'm starting this band. I've got a name. I've got a few songs. I've got a drummer. I go, that's cool. Who are you using as your bass player? And we'd spent like a summer playing in another band together and it wasn't really going anywhere or doing anything. And you know the other people we were playing with weren't bad musicians, but it always kind of felt like Dave and I were kind of at a different level. So Dave goes, well, "I'm going to use the bass player from the other band," and he was he was kind of a scuzzball. Like neither one of us liked him, and I knew that. So I was like, "Why are you using him? Like you don't like him? I don't like him. Nobody likes him." And he goes, "Well, I don't know any other bass players." Anyway. Yeah, you do. I have a bass. I don't have an amp, but I have a bass. And honestly, if it comes down to it, like if it's the difference between you being stuck with some guy you dislike or me, I'll go buy an amp. And he's like, well, I have one. You can just use that. I go, great. There we go. So we're doing our thing. And we, there was, it was either 2006 or 2007. And Danzig was doing a show at Starland Ballroom. It was like the day after Christmas. And I took him. I was like, here, Merry Christmas. I got tickets. And we met our singer and our bass player, Joe, there. Joe wasn't in the band at the time. And so we bring Joe in. And all of a sudden, I'm hanging out with these guys. They used to go to a lot of parties at Rutgers. And our drummer is also named Alex. At the time, he wasn't in the band. So there are two Alexes. And they're always on the phone at practice. Saying, oh, you know, uh, I'll be at the party later and I'm going to bring Alex with me. And they would inevitably ask, you know, which Alex. And they got sick of saying Alex from the zombie mafia. So they just shortened it to zombie Alex. It was just easier for them. <laughs> so I got my nickname out of pure laziness.
0: I like it. I like the, I like the way it rolls off the tongue. Zombie Alex. It works for me.
1: Uh, I've heard way worse stage names. So I'll take
0: it. Um, do you remember how did we meet? Where where was the where, where did we meet? Because we've I've man we've met many times over the years.
1: I think the first time, and you know I could be wrong. I, I'm getting senile at 35, but <laughs> I I really think it was outside the Delancey at an undead gig. Billy and I were playing with Bobby. Right. And, and I'm pretty sure it was outside the Delancey.
0: Right. Yeah, you guys were. So Bobby. So Bobby. Ha, I mean, the funny thing about the undead is there are. They're kind of like green jello.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's, a, there's a lot of funny things about the undead, Jeff. There's not just one. I, but, yeah, I get what you're saying. But at the time, actually, Billy and I for like a year and a half were a stable lineup for Bobby. Yes, I know. Some, he wasn't using That's other right.
0: People when we were doing it, that's right. Um, but what I mean by that is right because because uh, William makes man speak. Whatever the hell his name is, the Green Jello guy. He's got franchise bands. Wherever he fly, he can fly out to anywhere yeah. in the country, and he can have a Green Jello band. You know.
1: Yeah.
0: By the way, are you futzing with your phone or something? Because I hear a little rattling sound. Is that you? That might be me. Might you not. going like this with the phone? Like, uh,
1: no, not like that. I'm just. Twitching a little.
0: Interesting. Okay. That's cool. No, you're good. You're good. Um But yeah, he has yeah, he just has these bands all over the world. And I've known I know a couple of guys that were in Green Gel. It's kinda funny, but they're like it's like it's like everybody and their mother was in Green Gel at one time. Well, I guess on a on a much smaller scale, a lot of people have been in the undead. However, yes, there there have been several periods where they're really the lineup kind of stabilizes for a while, and you and Billy were the were very stable. I actually really enjoyed that lineup before you guys. He had, I believe, they were both Japanese.
1: Yeah, he had Hitomi I mean and right. Uh Right. Hitomi was the drummer and Romo mm-hmm. the bass. I actually have mm-hmm. a really funny story about them. Go ahead. Uh, okay, so I spent a year and a half in the Undead as the bass player and Billy was the drummer. But what a lot of people don't know, I actually auditioned twice for The Undead, once as the drummer and once as the bass player. Oh, really? So at the time, right before Billy and I were in, I guess, um, I guess Atomi was like missing gigs or was in a couple bands and Mm -hmm. Bobby was getting kind of fed up with it. So the first thing I did was I auditioned on drums. And
0: she's not that, a good drummer. She was not really a very good drummer.
1: Well, I mean, you know, I'm not Ginger Baker, but I can play punk rock. So right. we go to this rehearsal studio in New Jersey, uh, the same place I've worked with Rob a couple times for video yeah. shoots and stuff. And we go through this like 30 song set list. And it's like August. And Did you memorize all the songs? Yeah, yeah. Um, there's like no, no air conditioning, no fans. It's August. I'm going through this 30 song set list. Yeah. And the last song Bobby wants to do is bullet.
0: Ah, and the drums
1: on that song are a pain. So I'm sitting there. Yeah. I'm sitting there tired. And the last song he wants to do is bullet. And I'm just like, great. This isn't going to cost me at all.
0: Do you know how to play that? You could play that on drums. Yeah. Yeah, I, but I, do you I, I, question? So. Question. Sure. I'm sorry. I'm going to do that a lot. I'm just going to cut fine. you off a lot. It's just the way I am. Yep. Um, question. Do you do you play it the? Do you play it like G, Mr. Jin can play it, or do you kind of like, you know, like sort of?
1: Okay, it's it's been years it. since I've played it. Yeah. Um, I because you're
0: America kind of a perfectionist. Now,
1: but um, I, I haven't tried playing it in a while. Um, but when I auditioned and when i played it with bobby i played it faithfully to the static age recording i didn't wow wow Uh, so you can see why i was pissed off having to do that last
0: yeah not saying
1: i can still do that it's been years since i've tried but when i auditioned for bobby and when i played it i did it faithfully to the static age recording so the 16th beats and i was so grateful towards the end of that song where there's that little break where he's just hitting the ride cymbal one time. (laughs) I could not wait for that part to hit. Uh, so anyway, I passed the drum audition and Bobby's like, yeah, all right, you got the gig. I'm like, okay, cool. And, uh, then like, I don't even remember. It wasn't much longer after. I didn't actually do any gigs on the drums. Uh, I guess things weren't working out with Hiromu either. And Bobby's like, all right, now I have to get a bass player, and I'm thinking, okay, number one,
0: I'm I'd rather really,
1: have that. really lazy. <laughs> I do not want to cart my drum kit out for anything. I mean, right. don't get me wrong, if it's a spot in the Undead, yeah, I'm gonna do it because yeah. you know, I, I
0: good resume, you know, I good pre-resume,
1: punk rock in New Jersey, the Misfits, yeah. and the Undead. Yeah, you know, I'm not stupid, but I was yeah. like, hey, Bobby, you know, not for nothing. Billy's a much better drummer than Uh. I am, and you've worked with him before. Why don't you just let me play the bass? You know, I'll I'll audition it, and it's cool.
0: Smart. And
1: I'm like, you know, it's way easier to carry one bass and sometimes a bass amp than an entire drum kit, even if it's a small drum kit. Right. So after I went through all that hassle of going through all the songs on drums, and playing Bullet in a non-air-conditioned, not even a fan rehearsal studio in August. Yeah. Um, I wind up getting the gig on bass, which made me really happy because right. it's a band I like. It's music I like playing. Right. And it's a lot less stuff I have to carry. Oh, yeah. So.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, so uh, that's pretty funny. Uh, yeah, you guys were a great lineup. Billy is a great drummer. Uh, oh, solid solid drummer and you guys were really i think i feel like you guys were really good for that band at that time and i saw you with the undead uh i think a handful of times just yeah the valey um i there was another show where i think he was so he re-released i want you dead
1: yeah uh, that 7, that came out 2010. That was before Billy and I were in the band, but it was around oh, it was. time.
0: Yeah, so he was doing a show. He was married to the mother chick at that point, point. and he was doing a show. Maybe that was also at the Delancey.
1: We did a lot of stuff at the Delancey.
0: Yeah, um, that was a popular spot for a while.
1: Yeah, that was pretty cool. Um yeah. I remember the that third the site,
0: but hmm. I was at the 30th. I was at the 30th. That was,
1: that was one of my favorite shows. I played with the undead because it um, was a good show CBGBs a bunch of times before it closed. And that gig, I remember Billy and me driving in because the gig was originally supposed to be at um, the place that used to be the Ritz
0: uh, Webster hall.
1: Yes. Thank you. It was supposed to be downstairs at Webster hall.
0: The studio. Great yeah. place, too. Great yep. venue. And
1: yeah. Pure Hell was supposed to be on the bill.
0: Ah, and Pure I, Hell. <laughs>
1: and I was really psyched about that. I was like, oh, this is yeah. cool. I'm going to get to play the Ritz. The first play with Pure black Hell, punk band. And that never happened. Uh, yeah. Last minute, it got moved to the Delancey, and Billy and I were, I remember driving in, and it was kind of snowy, and we were like, great. Yeah. Right. I mean, this will still be cool, but... You know, the weather sucks. I hope we don't have to dig the car out with a symbol or something.
0: Winter 2011.
1: I'll take your word for it. I Um, think. It it sounds about right. But I just remember being really happy with that show because it it just reminded me so much of the shows at CBGBs. Like the way people were getting into it and moving around the stage.
0: People were moshing. A little yeah, bit. they
1: were. They seemed to be enjoying it, so that made me really happy. I was like, you know, I never got to play CBs, but this feels like a really close second uh, compared to that.
0: I know. Ne- I was. Not, I'm not in a, ba- in a band, but I did get to jump on stage at CBGBs when my friend band pla- was playing, and I got to sing "I Want to Be Your Dog," and it was the closest I would ever CBGB's,
1: come. CBGBs, that totally counts.
0: I like to count that. That counts.
1: I like to count that. Anytime, anytime we want to bust chops in the zombie mafia, my singer likes to mention that he played CBGBs with his old band. Uh, it was a Tuesday night audition night, and he said that there wasn't a big crowd. But uh, it just – it's like, dude, you got to play CBGBs. I wouldn't care if it was an audition night right. or whatever. It's like right. um, we, we, we've been together 13 years, and there's six of us. How many – how many marriages do you know that last 13 years? So we know how to, like, bust each other's chops. Like, I can bring up to my bass player the fact that I saw the cramps and he never got to. And that'll get him all riled up. You know, but, yeah, that totally counts for you. And uh, he has Thank to you. do it. Thank no,
0: you. Thank you for to, the validation. On,
1: for for what little my opinion's worth, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you were on stage just saying, I actually... Uh, <laughs> It's funny if you look up. You ever listened to um, the Avengers, the old San Francisco punk band? Saw
0: them. I saw them live in Brooklyn at CB's. No, at Brooklyn in Brooklyn.
1: Okay. See, they I show... saw them at CB's, and yeah, if okay. you if you go on YouTube and look up the video from that night uh, yeah. for "We Are the One," look for a awkward, large, me-looking individual in a uh, blue adolescence t-shirt. I'm right at the center of the stage front row. That's
0: awesome. I, I'm so frustrated. Uh, two of the shows that I saw at CBGB's were, I saw the Bad Brains. Okay, and... now hold
1: on. Let me stop you. Was it the original Bad Brains or was it the Bad Brains show I went to? Because when I went, it was we John went to... Joseph. Yep. <laughs> was, we were
0: at that uh, show together. I was at that show.
1: Was that with Mackie?
0: Was, Jason with Mackie, uh, Mackie. Mackie was
1: on drums for some yeah. reason. I thought it was yeah. Chuck Trees. I know Chuck no. was there.
0: No, it was Mackie on drums. It was John Joseph. And it was like Doc a fusion, but it was billed as the Bad Brains. Now yeah. I've I've told I told that to Paris Mayhew one day, and he just looked at me like that's not the Bad Brains, like super upset that I even brought it up. Uh, which I reminded him of years later. I was like, "Hey, remember that one time?" Because I like didn't know about like you know between him and him and John Joseph have a whole thing. So, um, but uh, yes, I was at that show, and there's video of it, and I stage dived at nice. that show. And
1: I have I, a really funny story about uh, Daryl Jennifer from that night. I went. What happened? Well, I got there, and uh, I'm over by the stage, and I see Daryl. And I'm like six foot, six one. I like fluctuate with heat. So I'm not a small guy. So I was like, hey, would you mind? Can we take a picture? I was there with my friend. He's like, yeah, sure. So he grabs me and pulls me next to him. And he's like two heads taller than me.
0: He's tall. Such a tall guy. He
1: puts his arm around me. He goes, we got good music. And he's, he's got his right arm around me. And then he takes his left hand and he pulls out a joint. He goes, we got good music. We got good herb. We're going to have a good night. And I just look up, I remember looking up at him smiling, nodding my head like, you are a massive six foot five Rastafarian who could <laughs> probably crush me with one hand. I'm going to agree to any word you say, but uh, I, it was nice.
0: So I saw the actual Bad Brains on a boat for Rock the Boat. I saw boat. them
1: in Asbury Park. I didn't see them on a boat, but they played. Um, was this it was
0: 2007? Asbury
1: it might have been around then i just remember it was right it was an outdoor thing in asbury park it was like outside right in front of asbury lanes and the opening act was the school of rock with jello biophra
0: hmm well all i know is hr was not good uh very uh it was he that that hr yeah he doesn't move but i was watching the bad brains documentary Which and one? Uh, band in DC or whatever it's called, the, the Bad Brains documentary. I didn't know there was more than one,
1: not, not, the, be?
0: not the HR documentary. Okay, that's see, different. that's the
1: one I've seen.
0: Uh, I think it might be on Hulu. Look for the Band in DC Bad Brains documentary. I'm watching it and it cuts to 2007, shows the boat, and there I am, <laughs> uh, getting my ticket punch to go on the boat. I'm like, oh, that's so nice. cool! Like, I just like, and this was like this was like 12 years later and I was just awesome. blown away that I was like that I found myself in this random documentary. I was like I was like that is it feels good to be like just the way that you felt being in the uh, bunch the of Avengers yeah. right being in the Avengers video it's a fun fun feeling.
1: One of my high school teachers has got both of us beat. so oh, I yeah went to a, I went to a Catholic high school so I had to do the whole uniform thing which sucked. yeah they were smart like once a month they do this whole fundraising thing. Like if you pay us a dollar, you can wear jeans and a t-shirt, whatever. So I show up in jeans and a Ramones t-shirt. And because it's a Catholic high school, I had to take a religion class. And my religion teacher sees me in the Ramones t-shirt. And at the end of the class, he goes up to me and my friend who's in, I don't know, some other punk band might've been the sex pistols, might've been the class. He goes, are either of you guys driving now? And I go, yeah, you know, I've got a car. I don't take the bus. He goes, do me a favor. Come, come see me after after school. Let's have today. So we look at him. We go, okay. So we go to his classroom. We knock on the door like, hey, you wanted to see us? He goes, yeah, I noticed your T-shirts. You guys like punk rock? We're like, yeah, you know, the dead boys, the dickies, the clash, all this good stuff. He goes, all right. He goes to his closet and he unlocks it. And he pulls out a manila folder. And it's all old flyers from CBGB's. Nice. And, no, it gets better. So then he goes, check this out. So he gets out this book. Um, I forget the author, but it's, it's something. It's The title's like F Your Idols and F U2. And he opens to a, a, a page from Washington, D.C. And it's minor threat playing. And there's this massive crowd. And he 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 goes, What do you see? And I go, you know, a show I, I a show I'd sell my soul to have been at, minor threat in the eighties in DC. He goes, Look at the crowd, what do you see? And I go, A, a bunch of people I'm jealous of. And he points to a particular person. And he goes, What do you see? There's my religion teacher in DC in the eighties at a minor threat show.
0: Nice. Huh? That's right great. place at the right time.
1: I was born in the wrong era.
0: Yeah, I've said that many, many, many times. It's unfortunate, but hey, uh, we get to enjoy the internet, right?
1: We we get to catch the reunion shows.
0: We get to right. That's the way to look at it. We, we, we get to appreciate
1: what at we you. have and know we're lucky to see it.
0: We yes, yes. I I, I agree. But to, to rewind a minute, so you so you played I was wondering that. You played. so you played in the undead for a while. Yeah. Rob, Robbie You're says the now. first Robbie says the first time he saw the lineup of The Undead was an online stream at Jamba Juice.
1: Yes. That was cool (laughs) because we actually got some free uh, free food, free juice. That was awesome. Yeah, Bobby was...
0: You played that show?
1: Yep. Uh, That was right after I joined. Bobby was talking to people from, I think it was called The Real Radio Show in New York. I don't know if it still exists. We got two really interesting gigs because of them. One was doing the Jamba Juice, which was kind of weird, but you know what? A gig's a gig. I'm playing in the Undead. I'm really going to complain because I'm playing in a Jamba Juice. I'm playing music I like, and I'm getting free smoothies, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then the other really interesting gig was we drove out somewhere. I think it was Long Island. It was definitely New York, and it wasn't in Manhattan, somebody of The Real Radio Show was opening up a rehearsal studio for bands, and we played the opening, and one of the other bands that did the opening was Twisted Sister. But the only thing is, it was Twisted Sister with... Uh, a friend of theirs singing because D Snyder was still doing rock of ages. So it was all the other guys. Oh, that's
0: sister. so lame. Oh, you know, it's like, it's cool, but it's like, what a, what a downer to the story though. That like you, 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 you amp it up with twisted sister. You're like, but I didn't have D Snyder. Four
1: fifths to twisted sister. Listen, Four they fifths. Were, they okay. Nice. Okay. I got, I got to talk to them, meet them They were nice guys.
0: Did you Four ever do chill better than nothing? Did you do chiller theater with Bobby?
1: Yes, I did. Well, we right. didn't we didn't play, but I was there hanging out with him the year that uh all the former Misfits members were in that room. Oh my god.
0: Okay, so I we I was there that day too as well. Okay, that's funny. Okay, we're going to get to that in one second. Okay. That was a funny. I'm sure you probably <laughs> I'm sure you could probably tell me a lot of uh, silly silliness that went on in there. Um, so when did, so you but then you you uh, you were only there for a year and a half. So what happened? What was the uh, exit of of the undead?
1: <laughs> well, the exit's almost as funny as the entrance.
0: Okay, um, let's hear it.
1: Well, Bobby married Jill, the mother right. chick.
0: The mother chick. And please explain. Please explain for anybody who will listen to this uh, the the context of of this of this an un- unholy union. Like, why is this so silly?
1: Well, this is silly because the mother chick, as the name implies, (laughs) is famous for being in the mother video, which is known because it's the most famous song that was done by Glenn Danzig with his band Danzig. Right. Before he was in Danzig, he was in Samhain, Sawane, however you want to pronounce it. And before he did Sawane, Samhain, he was in the Misfits. He was the, you know, the mastermind behind the Misfits and Bobby was in the Misfits so now didn't he dated Jill too didn't he
0: right I think they're definitely Eskimo brothers if you know what I mean yeah so yeah. that's
1: what makes it I mean hilarious I, I'm just I'm just along for the ride I get I'm it just sitting back watching
0: were you at uh, the wedding you were at the wedding I was right?
1: absolutely I was at the wedding yeah
0: yeah,
1: yeah I still have my invitation somewhere
0: uh, hold on, I'm going to put pause you for one second Winston Smith says he's never listened to the undead What's the best um, Alex, zombie Alex, what would you say The best um, Introduction for Winston into the undead Was
1: uh, I would say my Did. absolute Favorite undead song Would be When the Evening Comes Listen to that me, one, that
0: one's really great Me too, me too, and that song Was actually, Winston That song, little piece of trivia, was written for The Misfits it was given uh it was it was given to Glenn Danzig for uh consideration and Glenn Danzig was like, I write the songs. However, I think it was a real missed opportunity because when the evening comes would have made for a great Misfit song and yeah, is definitely. one of Bobby's finest songs. So definitely
1: would have been a great Misfit song. Yep.
0: You took I mean, the words right out of my mouth.
1: Undead song. You know, I'm not trying to take anything oh, yeah. away from Bobby, no, but
0: great uh, undead song. But start that with been that. really cool. Start yeah, with that. Uh,
1: Be my ghoul is a lot of fun too.
0: Yes, and rock like and roll horror. Def-
1: yeah, definitely start with um,
0: when the evening when comes. The, evening comes. Uh, the invisible man is a great song. Yep. Um, I want you dead is a That's great. A the holy P The my kind of
1: town was a lot of fun to play the bass on until uh, yeah. Well, it was. I, I was doing this weird. I, I'm. I, I can't just sit back and follow the guitar when I do the bass. So I had this weird intro thing where I was doing too many notes and I did it for a while and then Bobby's like, just play it straight. So I was like, okay, yeah. you the boss. This is your band. <laughs> but I was kind of like, oh, that was a lot of fun. But um, My Kind of Town is a lot of fun too.
0: Um. So, all right, now to rewind a little. Oh, no, you didn't tell me. So, what was the so what what why was the mother chick the reason why you you left the oh, no, uh, she,
1: well, it wasn't specifically her, okay. Um, and I didn't leave.
0: Uh, oh, you did not leave?
1: Well, I wasn't fired either. I mean, okay, I didn't even hear it from Bobby. What happened was, you know, Bobby and Jill got married, right? Bobby sold off his collection to umberto and at the time billy calls me and I, I don't know i don't i don't know if i mentioned the band or what and he goes oh yeah we're not doing that anymore you're what he, i go excuse me he goes yeah bobby's like bobby's retiring he got married he sold off the collection he's gonna retire and i was like oh it really would have been nice if I'd heard that from Bobby, but, you know, at least I'm not, like, showing up to a rehearsal and nobody's there. So Bobby just, um, I guess when he got married and sold off his collection, he was ready to, like, ride off into the sunset with his right. wife and retire. And right. So he, t- I guess he told Billy and Billy told me. I guess maybe he figured Billy would have told me, which makes sense.
0: He spent some time in Israel, I believe, too. Yeah. Remember, so. yeah. yeah. And then
1: I guess when, <clears throat> when I, I went to an undead gig a couple of years ago with my bass player just to say hi. Mm-hmm. But I haven't really stayed in touch with Bobby. I mean, he was happy enough to see me. So, you know, it's not like he wants me dead, huh? Waka waka. <laughs> but. Um, but you know, I, I haven't really stayed in touch with him, so I, I'm, I'm assuming what happened, it looks like what happened, is, you know, he was ready to retire, and then him and Jill got a divorce, and he decided to start doing the undead again, and when he did, he just picked up another two, three members. Um, yeah. I'm pretty sure his current wife plays with them, too.
0: Yes, Diane, so, who's, who's a love, who's a real sweetheart. And,
1: yeah, I've, I've met her.
0: She's yeah. nice. Um, I think they are a match made in heaven, and I'm very happy for them both. I'm glad that the mother chick did not work out because, man, she was she was bananas. And every time that I saw Bobby, like around the time that you were in the band, like she was just always, she was crazy.
1: It was an interesting time. Like I said, yeah. I, it, it wasn't my band.
0: Yeah. Right.
1: That was the beauty of being the bass player. It's a relatively easy job. Right, you just sit back and watch what happened (laughs) and keep playing the stuff I like. I mean, at least I got to play a bunch of Misfit songs with a Misfit. Like, there was one gig we did out in Manville where we played 12 Hits from Hell in its entirety. Nice. Except except Halloween 2. He didn't want to do that. uh,
0: Because he he was, was, like, like, super Christian at that time, or...?
1: No, no, no. This was this was. He didn't get into that stuff till after I was out of the band. Okay. Um.
0: Right. That makes sense. Okay.
1: He he didn't want really to do it. I think it was too slow. He said, or he didn't like it. There was just some reason he didn't want to do it. Gotcha. So he goes, and we're going to do twelve hits from hell. I'm like, oh, okay. It's a mouthful. Awesome.
0: It's but, a mouthful.
1: But the only thing we're not going to do is we're not going to do Halloween two. Instead, we're going to do Spook City USA.
0: Oh, my God.
1: Well, like, this is great. So not only do I get to do these Misfits songs with the dude from the Misfits, but the one kind of slow song is being replaced by a song I really enjoy. And my bass player from the Zombie Mafia Joe, that's, like, one of his favorite songs. So I was like, dude, you you need to clear your schedule on this date.
0: Was this recorded
1: anywhere? Uh, Not to my knowledge. I know Robbie and his dad were there.
0: Robby, you got a recording of this? My God, I want to hear him. I want to hear it's him. I want to hear this anything, but, uh.
1: Um But I was like, dude, you need to be here for this. We're doing 12 hits from Helly was Done. I go, no, it gets better. We're not doing Halloween 2. We're doing like your favorite song. He's like, oh, I'm not missing this.
0: That's uh, actually uh, really cool, man, because that I I mean, I, I think the original Misfits might have done it uh in 79. But I don't think they maybe they didn't and maybe it's a maybe it was one of the only times that song's ever really truly been played live. I don't think I don't think the Misfits ninety five ever played Spook City USA, right?
1: Uh, I don't I don't know anything about ninety-five ever doing it.
0: So but, um, there you go. Yeah, it
1: was a lot of fun. I, I had a lot of fun in the undead. Yeah. And I, you know, I can appreciate that I wasn't fired, you know, I wasn't kicked out of the band for being inept. Right. So, I I, right. Just, I don't know, man. I've had a lot of luck. Like, I've moved around in a bunch of different bands. And, you, like, if anything falls apart or ends, something pops up and I'm able to just, like, bounce into another group. Like, I, I did the zombie mafia thing. And I was in the original lineup of that. And I did it for a while. And I decided to leave for a couple of years you know sometimes the grass looks greener and it really isn't um and then i was in another band and then that band the singer decided he didn't want to do it anymore and that was right when the opening in the undead happened so i jumped into that
0: perfect hmm? i said that's perfect
1: and then right when the undead's bobby's done I get a phone call from the zombie mafia, guys, who I'd stayed friends with. And the guy they replaced me with couldn't do it anymore because of job commitments. Oh. So they had a gig and they're like, hey, you know, would you mind filling in for this gig? I go, yeah, sure. I still remembered how to play the songs. We were tight. You know, I don't like leaving anybody in the lurch. Like, I, I filled in in a bunch of bands part time, like for one gig or a weekend just because I talked to guys like I did a weekend on bass for Children of October uh, because they didn't have a bass player or like I, I've been there when like a bandmate can't make something and it sucks. Uh-huh. So anytime I can help out, I try to. So they're like, yeah, can you do this gig? I'm like, yeah, I still remember the song. So I go, we did the Brighton bar. And then after the gig, they were like, yeah, um, Eddie, the guy that took my place can't do it anymore. Do you want to come back and do it? And I'm like, well, the undead just called it quits. So sure. Why not?
0: Um, and, Sure. Sorry. No, no, uh, go, go right ahead. Finish what you were all saying. All I
1: was going to say is, and then, you know, just to make things funnier, a couple of years go by and, um, Eddie, the guy that replaced me, his schedule changed. So he wound up back in the band anyway. So now all six of us are yeah. shenaniganing together.
0: Nice, that's wonderful. Um, I want to. I want
1: to.
0: I want to ask you more about you, you. You. The Zombie Mafia played for a got got to open for a lot of uh, uh, big big ticket acts. But before I ask you about that, um, first of all, Bob uh, Rob says that the mother chick specifically asked him not to record. He had his camera and he didn't record it. But she she had that. I remember she. Would tape every gig with that little flip, that little GoPro. I do remember GoPro. that thing. Yeah. Remember that thing? It was like a, it was like a stick, and it was like terrible. Probably in HD, probably like seven twenty p HD. And uh, she would tape everything on that. She thought that was gonna. She was like bankrolling these these shows for whatever reason. Um, uh, Bobby di- didn't. I don't think Bobby cared either which way. She would just always set it up somewhere. Probably. And um, I guess so. I guess it does exist on. And I tried to search on YouTube nothing turned up for it unfortunately the only
1: thing I've ever seen with me in the undead on YouTube we did yeah. uh we did a show at well it wasn't it was a an interview show it was called ruin and who R-E-W yes w and who and we played it yes. autos right and there's
0: like that's where she did the show. we used like, to do the show at autos. Yep. There's
1: like two songs with me and Billy playing on YouTube somewhere.
0: But the audio is terrible, right? Yeah, Ru- probably. Yeah. But
1: um, at least yeah. it proves I'm not full of it. And I actually was in the band.
0: I feel like there's photographic evidence out there. I'm pretty sure. I must have somewhere. I must have cell phone video. I must have taken a video or two of you guys playing.
1: There were pictures on the Undead's website back when Bobby had it. Right. Um, But, yeah, you know, so, well, it it doesn't surprise me that Rob tried to film it, and it also doesn't surprise me that Joe put a stop to it.
0: Yeah, that's just, like, wanting to run interference, like, wanting to be, like, uh, you know, thinking, you know, you're in a position of power or something. But Rob says he does have the bootleg of the Jamba Juice audio. That's hilarious. (laughs)
1: I didn't even know there was a bootleg
0: of that. There you so, go. There you go. You talked to Rob. So speaking sure of Rob, you are you, you play in Robbie Bloodshed's band right now. That's great.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I just spent Phenomenal. all day yesterday with him um, rehearsing for the uh, the vinyl recording we're doing next weekend. Right. In New
0: York. Right. Mazel tov, and congratulations to both you and Robbie. I hope you got. I hope it goes off without a hitch. Appreciate it. I it's going to so, be.
1: I, I'll be honest. It's going to be daunting what I was signing up for. <laughs> I, didn't under, I didn't understand what Rob meant because he called me and he goes, hey, mm-hmm. can you be free on this date? We're doing a recording. I go, sure. Um, and, you know, I've done other recordings with Rob before. He goes, we're going to do these five or six songs and they're going to get pressed to vinyl. I go, okay, that's cool. I've never been on vinyl before. I've done a bunch of CDs. There you go. But I'm thinking, all right, this is going to be like your typical recording session. We're going to go in, right? And play, right? Until we get the one version right, it's going to get pressed on all on all the vinyls. And then after I agree to do it, we're talking. And he goes, no, that's not what it's going to be like. We're going to be doing it live. So, however many people ordered this song, we're going to do like if seven people ordered this song, we're going to do the song seven times. And I was like, what? No
0: two the same.
1: I was like, okay, like, I'm thinking, I'm just the rhythm guitarist. I I right. don't have to worry too much. I just have to make sure I know the songs. I'm like, you're going to do the vocal tracks, like, 20-something times? Like, your voice is going to be... I'm like, I'm not saying Rob isn't capable. He's one of the best musicians I know. If he tells me he can do something, he's going to do it. I can set my watch to him. But I'm like, man, if it was me, I would be like bringing an entire, like, several liter bottle of tea, an entire thing of yeah. honey with me. I know, I mean, I can't sing worth anything, but if I was a singer, I would not want to do that.
0: Um. So, so break it down for me from a, uh, a musician speaking to a non-musician. What What? because Robbie has always been a three piece and now he's bringing you in uh, to the fold and uh, making him into a four piece. Why, what does this do for his sound live? Um, um, can you explain to me how this all, all works.
1: Well, uh, in theory, if I play everything right, uh, it'll, it'll thicken up his sound. It'll beef it up. Right. Um, in theory, if he wanted to, he could stop playing on certain parts of the song and focus on singing. Right. It's it's kind of just like having a backup. Like we did a gig in Philadelphia and with like three songs left in the set, something went wrong with his rig. I don't know whether it was his guitar or one of his pedals. I don't think it was his amp. But he was we were like in the middle of the set and he couldn't figure out what went wrong with it, so he was like, all right, forget it. He put his guitar down, and he just looks at me and goes, we're going to do these three, because you know them, and there aren't a lot of leads, and he just did vocals. So I'm kind of just covering him. It'll, In theory, it thickens up the sound, but it's, it's kind of like... Kind of like a musical bulletproof vest, like you're you're covering your bases. Right. If something goes wrong with your guitar and you don't have a backup, you have another guitarist there. I mean, you know, I, I just kind of do it because he asked me to. We're friends. Right. So I don't know if you, um, wanted. if you wanted another guitarist. You'll have to ask him what having me in the band does. That's, you know, not a detriment. But. Um, At least from my point of view, having a two guitar band thickens the sound like if um, like take the adolescence, if you had Rick Agnew going off and doing a bunch of leads, Mm -hmm. if you didn't have Frank Agnew doing the rhythm guitar behind it, it would sound really thin because the bass is there. But the bass is like, you know, you usually I mean, unless you're in Motorhead, the bass is kind of muffled or if you're Jerry, the bass is kind of muffled lower down in the mix. Gotcha. Um, You know, it's just a a thicker, more stable sound having a rhythm guitarist.
0: I have said this uh, a bunch of times, both to uh, the members and as well as just in in passing. I don't know if you're familiar with Nimvind, but I think Nimvind needs a rhythm guitarist. Like, it just would really, um, really help. He does... It doesn't, uh, it doesn't help his, like his live show is great, but it would just be so much more if he had, uh, if he was able to focus more on the leads without having to stop those, doing those, you know.
1: Yeah, I, I know NimVind, I've seen NimVind. Um and I mean, you know, the thing is like, you know, bands are going to do what they want to do, I can't tell, right. who, the, who am I, but I mean, right, I always... Right what made sense to me is always having a rhythm guitarist and a lead guitarist, but because like when you go into the studio, even if you're a three piece band, if you only have one guitarist, that one guitarist is going to lay down a rhythm track under their leads anyway. Right. If you want to like get as close to a studio recording sound live as you can, you're probably gonna want those two guitars, at least.
0: Right, which is why, and that's you know, NIMVIN's albums are, as you know, said you know, NIMVIN, they're larger than life. They're these ginormous albums, and so it's yeah. just like, it kills me that his sound. I feel like he's spread too thin live. That's what it is.
1: That that's the thing with with only one guitar. You know? It can be a thin sound. So
0: yeah, yeah, so. No, I think it was a smart. I think it was a smart move to bring into the fold for uh, the Robbie Bloodshed band, or Robbie Bloodshed, however you want to call it. And uh, have you have you gone out and toured like toured toured with him yet, or are you uh... Not with
1: Rob? Um, he was talking about it, and then right, this COVID stuff happened. I I mean, we were talking about doing it. I was looking forward to doing it. I'm still looking forward to doing it. You know, I've got right. I, I haven't done like like, the three-month-long or two-month-long tours that, like, I know he did that with Vagora. Um, I'm lucky. The guys in the zombie mafia are all in kind of the same situation I am, where we have full-time jobs, but we love doing this, so we all take our vacation time.
0: Mm-hmm. and like
1: we, We've gone out for, like, two weeks at a time. So I've, I've done runs that are, like, more than just weekend runs but um it's been with them it hasn't been with rob so we i mean we were just talking about it yesterday and the ride back from rhode island when this dies down we do want to take it out there for like two weeks and i'm i'm ready to go like i, I always hey. love going out some people get sick of it i never do like the first tour we did it's, in, it's an in adventure we were like, the day we got back, we were just like, I, I was at work and I texted my bass player. And I'm like, this sucks. Get a van. We'll book the thing <laughs> on the road. I just want to go out again.
0: Yeah. But. Yeah. It's the, it's the, as I, I've spoken, when I was, it's like a pirate's life, you know, yeah, the road dog pirate's life. That's what it is, you know, and it's, it's, it's a, it is, it's some adventure. It really is a fun adventure. Um, uh, Winston asks both of us, do we like the extra guitar on the Misfit shows? And my answer is yes. I 100% love the extra guitar. I think it's great. And I think, frankly, um, I wish it was Bobby instead of uh, AC. No, nothing against AC. I think AC is a great guitarist. Uh, and again, I don't, I'm not sure Bobby could play some of the stuff that AC could play. Uh, however, uh, I, I, I do think that it, it helps uh, significantly. And um, I'm glad. I'm glad that there is an extra guitar player. What about you, Alex? Yeah,
1: I mean, first of all, I you know, Bobby, Bobby's got some chops, man. Like he does. When I was, oh, he when does. I was with him, I saw him doing some soloing. Yeah. Where yeah. I kind of paused and reflected. I was like, you know, you don't hear this kind of stuff on Misfits and Undead records. That's pretty cool. Um, I think it definitely it it's a plus having a second guitarist. Yeah. So I absolutely right. think it's a good thing that they had a second guitarist. Um, There's no I negative. I think that if they're not going to go with another original Misfit, that AC is a great choice. You know, he's, he's played with some A-list bands. I mean, Joan Jett, uh, the Murder Dolls.
0: Yeah. yeah, he's got a good he's pedigree. A pro. So yeah, I think he's a pro. Can,
1: I think that the guys they chose that aren't... Misfits from back in the day, like Dave Lombardo and AC, were. If we can't have original members, they were excellent choices.
0: Right, right. Well, I mean, I, I was talking with Robbie, and I think he came on the Lodi show, and he we actually we were thinking of the same guy. Uh, you know who I think would just really crush it way more than Dave Lombardo is um, Travis Barker, man. Travis Barker would crush it. Yeah, dude. He's he's got chops. I don't know. I think... Bill Stevenson?
1: Oh, Bill Stevenson would be great. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, I mean, I... I don't know. Here's my thing with Lombardo. First of all, that's the first... I've seen a bunch of different incarnations. No, I've seen, like, two incarnations in The Misfits. Mm -hmm. uh, The original and the Jerry Fits. And... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Lombardo doing Earth AD stuff is probably only the second time I've ever seen Earth AD stuff played in time. Um, yeah, like perfectly in time. Mm-hmm. And Lombardo's Lombardo does thrash, and he's too play, robotic,
0: I, man. He's just too robotic. He's
1: too robotic. See, I think. As weird as it's going to sound, and I realize it's it's like opposites, I feel like the thrash background, while still keeping perfect time, gives it a little bit of that, not like, I don't want to say sloppiness, but Mm -hmm. almost like that trashy kind of like, like you used to be able to tell Robo was on an album because he had like one setting and he had those metal bracelets
0: yeah oh yeah you can oh, always, yes. always tell yes. with
1: robo drumming yes. i kind of feel like lombardo adds as much as his timing's perfect i feel like lombardo adds a little bit of that kind of trashy metal bracelets on a recording sound to it so i dig it but so, stevenson would be awesome
0: question though all right so i i don't know because i'm not a drummer but you understand drumming i'm sure robbie could answer this question is dave lombardo doing bullet like mr jim
1: you know what? I saw him do it and I legitimately don't remember. Rob, if you're if you're watching, if you remember chime in.
0: Rob, I mean, is this I think,
1: I think that Dave is playing it correctly, but I think they're two very different drummers. Like I mean obviously they're two different drummers. Lombardo has this thrash background. I mean the dude was in Slayer. And Mr. Right. Jim has this really great jazz playing style. Like, you know, I always kind of think, when I think of Mr. Jam, I think of Jerry Nolan from the New York Dolls. He I think that's a like, good,
0: I like, think that's a very good comparison.
1: Like, when, when Jerry anyway. got the gig with the Dolls, the only other serious com- competition he had for the gig was Marky Ramone.
0: Yes. yes. The
1: reason, the reason Jerry got it and Marky didn't is Marky came from a heavy metal background,
0: right? Uh, dust
1: and Jerry. Jerry idolized Gene Krupa. He came from a jazz background. Huh. And like the reason he got the gig is like Jerry had that jazzy playing. Jerry Jerry could play like. Um, there was an interview with Sylvain. Sylvain and he was like, yeah, we gave it like they were both good drummers, but Jerry could do like a twist beat. Jerry had that jazz background, which was like really in tune with what we liked. So that he's the perfect he the gig.
0: He was the. I mean, listen, Marky could have done the job, but Jerry was perfect sure. for it. Jerry yeah. was perfect for the New York Dolls. That he, he was literally work. he was the missing piece. I mean, I, I, I I've heard recordings with Billy on uh, on the drums, but I neither here nor there. When you hear when you hear Jerry Nolan, and it's not even just he's got swagger. He had swagger, The
1: attitude, the, the fashion attitude sense.
0: Yep. That matched and his his uh, swagger, Jerry Nolan's swagger matched uh Johnny Thunders yeah. and um uh David Johansson and Sylvain Sylvain. I'd say Arthur Kane really just stood there like a statue. So I don't know if he really I don't know if he really counts, but I mean you know.
1: can can you swagger if you don't move?
0: I don't think so. I don't yeah, think Jerry so.
1: Jerry Nolan like when I when I took up drumming Uh like I had my influences. No, I was really like Clem Burke from Blondie, Gina Shock from the Go-Go's.
0: Who is a phenomenal uh Clem Burke is a phenomenal, phenomenal drummer, and there's an Iggy pop bootleg from nineteen eighty-five. No, yeah, when him and Gary
1: Valentine from Blondie were both in the band.
0: Yes, yes, it's oh no, it's my birthday. It's November 25th, 1981, four years before I was born. And Clem Burke is just making a meal out of these parts. Yeah. like Because Iggy doesn't give a shit. And Clem, <laughs> got, Clem Burke is just doing these intros. It's like... Yeah. All over the place. Greatest
1: Boom. catch of my life at a concert. I you, took, caught uh, hmm? you caught his drumstick? You uh, caught his drumstick? Better than that. So I take... I used to go to the Joy Ramon Bash when they had it at Irving Plaza. Because they always had a bunch right. of great bands. You know, it was a great cause. Yeah. Yep. And I took Dave, our guitarist, one year. And it was year Clem was doing a couple songs. And I'm up at the barricade in the front row. And Clem does his thing. Yeah. And he comes out center stage. And I'm right-handed. And I've got my my right hand is pinned at my side. But I've got my left hand out on the barricade. Right. And Clem just looks out at the crowd, sees me. And he tosses both of his drumsticks underhand with my non-dominant hand i yeah. caught both sticks wow I just one i caught the pair and dave i could never do it again but um dave was like did you catch one i'm like no i got both and his eyes just got like like saucers and he's like give me one i'm like all right you know i got two i don't need both but like that that i could never repeat that catch in my life if i tried
0: wow wow uh, that's pretty spectacular. Um, real quick, Robbie says on Bullet, I feel he does Jim sixteenth notes well, but he also adds a bunch of fills. It actually gives him a break on the constant arm tension doing the hi-hat stuff. So I think that's kind of, you know, even if he's doing more fills, I think, yeah, I think that's BF man. Like do, you know, it's kind of like, and here's the thing, and I talk about this all the time. I'm sure you could probably say a whole bunch about this. You know, say what you want about Doyle, but Doyle is master of the the downstroke, which is not an easy. No, it's not. Not an easy thing to do. You're
1: absolutely right. I mean, I was talking to Monty Melnick.
0: Yeah, I was talking to Monty Melnick about it because I was trying to understand. Because I'm like, wait a minute, but aren't you just going like this? And I'm realizing it's like you're doing a windmill motion. It's like, it's like, it's like if you go up and down, you're getting the double. You're getting the double hit. But if you're windmilling, you're doing an extra motion just to get the same. So you actually have to go twice as fast, right?
1: Yeah. See, see to me, it's just like doing an up and down, but you have to do it faster because you're not hitting the upstroke.
0: Right, so right. That's what I mean. Down, same thing. Get yeah, all the you way back up through. and then
1: down yeah. again quickly. Right. Like it, right. that, that's the beauty about guys like Johnny and Doyle. They make it look easy. Yeah. It really isn't. yeah. Like, I, th- I think Billy Joe from Green Day was quoted when they played. They played the Ramones Rock Hall induction, and um, I think Billy went up to Johnny after and was like, "Man, like I-, I don't know how you did it for whole sets. Like I tried to do it for like teenage lobotomy, and halfway through I had to switch up to like alternate picking because I just couldn't do it." Yeah, like like the really talented musicians make the tough stuff look easy, like Johnny right. Doyle
0: right but also i think that it's a testament to the aesthetic of the sound as it was written and recorded to not cheat and again who am i i'm 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 a non musician talking from my i'm an armchair internet critic talking you know from a non musician perspective but as a i like to think that music is my sports cuz i don't like sports yeah but i me. love i love music i could talk about guitarists like they're baseball players and so for me i'm like that's where i look and i'm going like you know i I admire and if you like if you like ramones and if you like down down picking you got to check out this band dark thoughts this guy out of philadelphia um great band and this guy they're a three-piece and the the the, first of all the drummer is like a machine drummer's a machine and good
1: machine or bad machine
0: like like good machine, like oh yeah 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 yeah. I see what you're saying. No no, in the best way. Like the the strictest Marky Ramone machine drum playing influence, and then this guy, this guitarist, he's just down. He's just he's just doing all down picking, and it's just really insane. And he's singing nice. while he's down picking. Just check him out. Check out Dark Thoughts. Matter of fact, I'm gonna Ooh, pull yeah. him up while we're talking here. Uh, question question for you. Oh uh-huh. hold on, we have uh, uh, Joe says. First of all, Lombardo played pop rock bongos and came from a Latin drumming background a decade before joining Slayer. He may be best known in the thrash world, but it's an insult to call to simply label him a thrash drummer. So Joe wants to give him more hey, Fair enough. More credit. I'll, I'll, listen, I,
1: I grew up in a punk background. Okay. My roots are in 80s Orange County punk rock. Agent Orange, okay. Social Distortion, TSOL, The Adolescents. I, I'm not a metal guy. I got bandmates who are, and that's cool. You know, if we're in the van and they want to listen to it, that's fine. But I don't know my metal history the way I know my 80s punk rock. So if, if Lombardo has that history, fair enough. Cool. And I'm sorry, I didn't know it. I know him from Slayer. So I'm um, I'm going by what I- uh Joe's just
0: breaking balls. But uh, I don't know Joe, you have to clarify what you're saying here. You're saying second of all, Murky sure, but never would have worked. Are you referring to the New York Dolls or are you referring to the Misfits? Cuz we're not talking about we're not talking about the the Misfits. No. Nah. In fact, we we both agree that Bill Stevenson would be a phenomenal fit. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, th- there's that um listen I have to take a massive piss. I've been drinking water; it's part of my New Year's resolution. Do you think you can keep this fill the dead air? Well, I go run and take a piss real quick. Can you fill do that? The
1: dead air. All right. Give all right. me a topic. So uh, okay,
0: I want you to talk about. All right, talk about um, the logistics of playing uh, with Bobby in the undead. What uh, talk talk about the bass parts or something? I'll be right okay. back. Sixty seconds.
1: All right, so bass parts for the undead. Um, I mean, what what can I say? It's punk rock. Um, it, it's it was to me at least. It was a lot like a lot like doing bass parts for the Ramones, Ramon songs. You know, I I tried to keep it consistently downstrokes. Couldn't always do it, but I tried to. Um, they were a lot of fun uh well-written bass parts you know all the guys that were in the band when they recorded it it was great um a lot of them were a lot of fun be my ghoul was an interesting baseline rock and roll whore. rock and roll horror is uh a nightmare because in most songs the verse part stays the same and the chorus part stays the same you know you just change up for the different parts Rock and Roll Horror is the only song I've ever played where it's, they're different. Each one is different and you have to really know the song and play it in the correct order and if you don't know it like verbatim it's going to be wrong. Like like most songs, the verse part stays the same for three verses, the chorus is the same for three choruses. Rock and Roll Horror Verse one, you do something. Verse two, you do something else. Verse three, you do something else. And the choruses are kind of the same. I didn't get it until I actually played it. Like One of the guys that was in the band before me was complaining about it. And I didn't really understand what he meant that like none of the parts are the same and you really have to know it if you're playing it. And then when I wound up in the band, I understood what he meant. That one, you, you either you know it verbatim or you're going to be playing it wrong.
0: There you go. Um, hold on, let's go back and look through the, the the comments. I'll have to listen back to that. Thank you for covering while I took a quick piss. No
1: problem. Basically, all I said was um, playing the undead bass parts. To me, it was a lot like uh, the bass for the Ramones. I tried to keep it like, down strokes. Gotcha. It just a lot of fun. I
0: didn't um. Really miss so Winston says he also plays avant-garde-ish with uh, Patton in Fantomas. So I guess he's referring to uh, Dave Lombardo. Uh, Joe says if Bill Stevenson wasn't available, Br- uh, Brandon uh, Pertzborn would have been my next choice. That's Doyle's guy, who is a beast. Uh, he also
1: did suicidal at the yes, uh, which
0: opened for the Misfits. Yep, so that's
1: where I saw him. And right. oh, you' yeah, Marilyn Manson's drummer, I think.
0: Amazing. Amazing.
1: Yeah. Beast on the drums. Absolutely.
0: A total right. beast on the drums. Um, there's only one Marky when we talk here. Yeah, but Joe, I don't know if you understand what we're, t- we're talking about. Would Marky have been a fit for New York Dolls, not the Misfits? So I don't know what you mean. We're, we're, we're talking about Jerry Nolan versus Marky Ramone, not Marky Ramone versus Dave Lombardo or whoever. You know, but again, who was I talking about with Marky Ramon not playing any of the misfits parts right when he was playing with Jerry? He like did not. Might have been
1: Rob because Rob and I had this discussion last night. Okay,
0: maybe that was it. Um, Maybe. And he recently told. I did not know why. Whatever. That's for another day. But very, very interesting. I didn't. I never knew why Marky had left. Jerry, or why Jerry and Marky had a falling out. And I was, I I still don't. I I guess I, from my understanding, I guess it's because he wanted to change the band name to Marky, Ramona, the Misfits. Yeah,
1: (laughs) Yeah, good luck with that, (laughs) Marky.
0: I don't know. That's that. I don't, I don't actually know that. Uh, Rob wants to know, did you ever play, uh, Put Your Clothes Back On with Bobby?
1: Yes, I did. I do remember that. We did it a couple of times. Right towards the end of my tenure in the band, but we definitely played that one. I remember it.
0: Um, uh, Rue Morgue, uh, a uh, uh, long-time uh, uh, listener here on on a variety of shows, wants to know: Was Bobby open for ideas or changes in the Undead?
1: Um, he might have been. I was smart enough not to rock the boat. <laughs> I didn't. Gotcha. Ask. I mean, gotcha. Um. When I was in the band, like I said, he didn't like me messing around with uh, the intro to my kind of town, because he, he, I was doing this like weird, I mean, it, it worked, and I got compliments on it, but I was basically doing like a bass fill under the lead on the intro, and you know, I'd done it for a while, and then one day Bobby was like, at practice, he was like, listen, do me a favor, don't do that. I want the bass really consistent under the lead because I'm playing the lead part. I go, okay, you know, you're the boss. Right. Sure. Um, we didn't really do any recording when I was in the band. And he never asked for any input. Like we did one session at his mom's house.
0: With- I met his mom briefly. I was there. Postmortem records upstairs in the attic. Yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> I said hello to his mom. I didn't really get to talk to her.
0: She but was in front of the we, TV.
1: Yeah, pretty much. We were. We did like three. We did a three-song demo. Oh, cool. And I don't have a copy. I couldn't tell you the names of the songs anymore.
0: uh it's a shame, man.
1: Yeah, but I'm fairly certain that none of them made it onto that newest Undead album. Um, I just remember going to the house laying down the bass for three songs um mm-hmm. and i remember then he's like oh yeah this is this is the marshall that i used on 12 hits from hell here's the fender i played on london dungeon here do you want to play it and my hands are nice shook. i'm like yes nice. yes i yeah. do want to try this history but i'm a you know i kind of had the um The Ferris Bueller's Day Off Ferrari mentality. Like, I I don't want to touch it, I just want to wipe it with a diaper. (laughs) I don't want to sneeze on it wrong, but, I mean, how do you say no to trying out this, like, iconic gear that you've
0: heard about? Austin Smith. By the way, Austin Smith says that Angel Sin is his favorite Zombie Mafia song. So. Oh, well,
1: thank you. We appreciate that. Um, And Joe...
0: Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was
1: just going to say that was our guitarist Eddie's baby. So
0: there you go. Sure he'll be Cheers, very to Eddie. To hear that. Um, Joe. Joe doesn't care about the New York Dolls. He he doesn't care about Marky Ramon versus Jerry Nolan. He only cares about two things. Joe only cares about uh, talking talking misfits, as if it was music baseball, or. Um, if he's eternally locked in, in a in a battle with Tracy over uh, who's better Metallica or Megadeth, Joe is for Metallica and Tracy's for Megadeth, and I think that they'll be locked in that battle forevermore. So.
1: Well, he can battle that all he wants, but if he's depriving himself of the New York Dolls, that's a real crime. You don't know. I
0: agree. To... I agree. Poor Joe. Joe also says Marky doesn't play anything wrong. Tell him to play something wrong. See how that goes. That's right. That's right, because Marky Ramon, as as we know, Marky first of all, Marky Ramon is a tough guy. And you know, he would even put Doyle in the headlock. You gotta be careful with Mark around Marky Ramon. He is uh, he is uh, what is he from Brooklyn? Originally Brooklyn Yeah, he's from, he's from Brooklyn. Um Rue says that Marky played to his own beat in the Jerry Fits. Yeah, that's hilarious. That he just he probably was just doing like, you know, your your Ramon one, two, whatever. What? I just remember
1: I, I saw them a couple times with him um my, my biggest memories are he got carried out on stage at Starland Ballroom in a trash can once and popped out of it and yeah he just I just remember them being really really fast with marky like faster than the albums wow so, um I mean I I remember Robo's first show back and Dude, that was, so. that was, like, I couldn't, I remember two things from that night. I remember how spot on perfect Robo's drumming was that night.
0: Oh, really? Like, like,
1: it was absolutely perfect. Really? Yeah, really. Like, because I know Robo's got his, you know, the reputation of doing his own thing. But this was, like... (laughs) spot on i was floored and then the other thing i remember is they played death comes ripping and the only reason i remember that is when i was at that show i i was still in high school and the drummer from my high school band was this metalhead who was obsessed with i guess cradle of filth did a version of it Uh so it was like his favorite song so i was like you coming with me tonight he goes Nah, they're not gonna play it. They never play it. And you know, to be fair, I, I'd seen them a couple times, and they hadn't. It hadn't been in the set list, and it was. It was. It was part of the encore. It might. I don't think it was the last song they did, but it was one of the last three. So I go the next the next practice, and I go. Yeah. They played it, and he flipped me off because he thought I was messing with him, and he's like, you know, forget you. I'm like, no, dude, I, I'm not busting balls. They played. Like, no forget you, great effort he was so pissed about
0: it um i will never forget two times i will never forget death comes ripping the first time was watching cell phone footage of denver riot fest and seeing jerry come out of the silhouette the fog silhouette and he just does a a, a bass boom and you can hear you know. i think, yeah, you hear Doyle's guitar. I think, I'm, maybe I'm making this up, but it was like doing some sort of feedback or something. And then all of a sudden, Dave Lombardo does the... Yeah. Boom, 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 yeah. boom. And it just... You see Glenn just jumps out of nowhere. They all just jump into like... The, yeah. the. They just jump in to the song. And even through the computer screen, the chills that went up my spine. And then yeah. the second time... Was seeing it at Chicago Riot Fest, not even two weeks later, and like being like, "Oh my god!" Like there they are, the three of them together, and it was like "Death Comes Ripping." So it was like a very special song that's tied to very special memory of that.
1: Yeah, I mean, Misfits fans, when you hear that first bass note for "Death Comes Ripping," <laughs> you know what's coming.
0: Uh, you know. You remember,
1: I only saw one of the reunion shows.
0: Which one was uh, that?
1: I went to the one in Newark.
0: I was there as well. That was a that was okay. I, I told was like my Glenn's wife. Mom died. Glenn's mom yeah, died. That yeah,
1: I found out about that after. I felt terrible about it. Um, I told my wife. I was like, "Look, I'm I'm gonna buy. I'm gonna make you a deal." Because I knew guys that went out to Chicago and Denver, and my bass player flew out to Vegas, saw them multiple times. I said, "Listen, this is really important to me." I'm not going to go for any of the like West Coast stuff, but I've, I've been saving. I need you to know two things. Number one, if they do an East Coast show, I kind of have to do this. Right. Number two, I'm going to get the floor seats. I'm only going to do it once, but I have to do the floor for this. It's the and,
0: only way to see I, that show.
1: I was if like 20 can. feet back, dead center. Yeah. I can remember. Horror business and Night of the Living Dead. I had this like out of body experience. Yeah. I, I flashed back to like sophomore year of high school. I'm in my first band's drummer's basement and we learned to play together, playing like Halloween. Oh. I, and I'm flashing back. I was in the Undead. I played these Misfit songs with Bobby. And like when we were in high school, we practiced on Friday nights. And then when it got too late, the neighbors would complain. We'd literally just go to White Castle, get, like, a, a, a dozen burgers each, go back to his house, and every Friday night we would talk about how great would it be if the yeah. original Misfits got back to it. Like, this was the stuff of legend. Of legend. Did, like, you had a better chance of growing a second head than you did of seeing this. And Did you – were you at the um...
0: – Question. Were you at the um were you at the show where Michael Graves opened up for uh, Yeah,
1: yeah, I was there for that one.
0: Interesting. What was so what was that like?
1: Um I don't, you know, it was it was like seeing the 95 Misfits with ghouls on bass. <laughs> I mean, it, it wasn't bad. He only did like two or three songs. It wasn't
0: like Well, I just mean the whole night in general, like the idea of like Graves opening for Danzig. It's kind of like crazy, right? It's
1: weird. Frankly, if I can be honest, I'm surprised Glenn didn't put a stop to it. Yeah, I wonder why that was. I don't know the man, but it kind of seems like something. If I was a betting man, I wouldn't put money on him being into the idea of that happening.
0: Yeah, right. Right.
1: But, uh, I mean, he came out and did three songs. I never got to see the ninety-five misfits. I saw the Jerry fits with a couple different drummers.
0: Me too. Yeah. So
1: for me it was just like, okay, it was cool to see. Yeah,
0: that's cool. I I, would've liked it. Honestly, I think I was
1: more surprised it actually happened than anything else. Because I heard it was happening. I'm like, no way Glenn's gonna like have this happen at his gig.
0: Kind of mind boggling when you really think about it. But I
1: mean, you know. On the the other hand, Glenn is a big enough deal that he probably doesn't have to worry about what the opening act is doing. You know, they're all there to see him.
0: Right. It's just interesting that this is the only show in the history of the world where uh, uh, Michael Graves played Misfit Songs and Glenn Danzig played Misfit Songs on the same stage for the same show. I never thought of that. Yeah. It's kind of insane when you think about it like that. So... Um, Wednesday store says Wednesday store, interesting name Wednesday store. Any thoughts on the KISS New Year's Dubai streamed gig? Crazy, genius, prices seem ridiculous. Were the Misfits tickets for MS were the Misfits tickets for MSG reasonable? So I have a couple of things to say about this. First of all, I people thought I was crazy that I flew out to Chicago, where I used to live. So I actually knew people, so I like had a couch to crash on. Um, people thought I was crazy to fly out for the for the Misfits Riot Fest show, but you want to know something? First of all, the combined total for the trip, the whole trip, was three hundred dollars, which is the cost of one floor ticket at all the later shows. Yeah, that's what I paid, and it was Second just of like all,
1: there are yeah. no guarantees in life. Thank you. You never knew if there were going to be any more shows. Thank you. Like I, I personally, like I said, I told my wife I wasn't going out to the West Coast. I did that full well knowing I might regret that a lot later in life.
0: Plus I saw the descendants. I saw the hives.
1: There you I go. Saw,
0: I, I mean, I saw a bunch of bands. You got your
1: money's worth.
0: I got my money's. I saw Rob zombie. I didn't want to see Rob zombie. I saw the deftones. I didn't want to see the deftones. I saw, um, I saw what's the guy? Nick 13. Um, uh, Tiger Tiger Army. Army. that was okay. um,
1: I've seen them a couple times.
0: Bad religion. I saw bad religion. That was great. Can't you go know. wrong with bad religion. You can't go wrong with that. Bad... I saw social distortion, which I couldn't care less for. Really? Unfortunately. It's not a, yeah, not yeah. a social teacher. It's not a, not never, never tickled my pickle. Point being, even when Chuck biscuits was drumming for them, even when Chuck biscuits was drumming for them, I just never, uh, just not um, just uh, never tickled my pickle. And so it's okay. like, fair enough. But for 150 bucks, you know $300 that's, for our
1: trip that's a lot of good bands
0: but but come new jersey come MSG i financed both of those tickets on my credit card i actually financed them i paid monthly payments because <laughs> i knew that the only way i was going to see these shows it's like i hate to be so vulgar but it's like the difference between and again i don't i don't you know there there is no i mean this is not aimed at people that can't afford a ticket. If you can't afford a ticket, you do whatever you have to do to see the show. If you have to be up in the bleachers, you be up in the bleachers. Whatever. Good yeah. thing you got to the show. If it is within your means to be on the floor and you simply chose not to be on the floor, you're a dumbass.
1: Yeah. You're a like, dumbass. My 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 I had two. I was um I had two bosses at the time of the Misfit show. And I'm like, look, I need to make sure I can get this day off. Because yeah I'm spending this much on the show yeah and honestly the most i'd ever spent on a concert ticket before the misfits was, that was the bucks. i paid 100 bucks to see jerry lee lewis oh I paid 100 bucks to see little richard and wow I paid 100 bucks to see the remaining original beach boys get back together
0: i saw that so, did you see it with brian wilson 2012 yes, me too uh, great great him. show
1: yeah um his solo, I've seen Wilson a couple times solo. He puts on a great show that on was great too. I
0: bet that was great but, too.
1: But um so anyway, I tell my bosses, I'm like, Look, I need you to make sure I'm off this day. And I tell them what I'm spending on the ticket. And my one boss is real careful with his money, and he he's just like, You're an idiot for spending that much. And I go, I explain to him what the misfits meant to me. I'm like, dude, you don't understand. I learned how to play guitar, playing along to these songs. <laughs> I, I, I played with one of the guys that was in the band. I used to spend my nights like building a fantasy football team. Like who would you <laughs> want in the band if they got back together right. and it's happening? My other right. boss looks at me and he goes, I don't care. You're being stupid. My other boss looks at him and goes, shut up. He looks at me and he goes, tell me something, Alex, if you pay for this show, are you going to be able to make your rent? I go absolutely. He goes. Are you going to be able to have food on your table? I go yes. He goes. Are you going to be able to pay your bills and have gas in your car and get to work? I go yeah. He goes. Have a great time.
0: Yeah, dude. Yeah. You know. It, and the thing is, you know, would it have been cool to have been backstage and all that jazz? Yeah. But you want to know something? That you that is a show where I just want to be in the chaos of the human yeah. sweat wall. I just want stand to stand there
1: and revel in it.
0: You revel in it, you whoa, you grab a stranger, blah, 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 you know, and sing with them, you know, with your arm Uh around their neck, you know, that sort of thing. It's it's amazing. And to answer the second part of Wednesday Stores' question, you know, I'm not a big Kiss guy. I don't really know very much about Kiss. I know a little bit about Kiss and uh, they they were streaming in. I mean, I've heard that. uh, What's his face? Uh, Eddie Trunk, who I think is kind of a tool was talking about he always rails against Kiss because he's such a huge Kiss guy, but he rails against them because of, uh, I guess, Paul Stanley lip syncs or something. Wouldn't surprise he's, me. Yeah, he's losing his voice, and, you know, I don't know. I I mean, Kiss is doing whatever, man. Kiss is Kiss. You know, they do their Kiss thing. Great. Uh, I like that yeah, song, Black Diamond.
1: Me, so.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I hate the comparisons. When people say that the misfits are the punk rock Kiss – I think that's kind of BS, man. I I see why you make that comparison, but I I just the misfits are the misfits to me. Like don't 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 do that. Don't call them the punk rock kiss. They're not. They're their own thing.
1: I can see why some people would say that.
0: Me too. Number one
1: with the makeup, number two with the merchandising, but show me a band that doesn't want to make money on t shirts.
0: That's just business sense. Look at the Ramones. The Ramones, the Ramones made, that's where they made their bread and butter. Hold on, I just want to get through the rest of these comments. So Joe says that's fair. I'll take that. I don't know. That was in reference to some earlier comment. Um, Winston thinks that Megadeth over Metallica. So sorry, Joe. Looks like you're going to have to argue it out with Winston if you feel like it. Too much junkie business. Glenn, again, well, he tipped his hat to that one. Yeah. I guess that's in reference to uh, Johnny Thunder. Johnny. Yep. Yep. Uh, Marky played on Project 1950. Yes. And you want to know something. And I've, uh, if anybody has seen my Lodi show, I actually talked very positively about Project 1950, but not as a Misfits record. Just as like a, a Jerry-only album doing oldies. Great. You know, I said the same thing.
1: Great. I said, I, listen, I'm a huge 50s music fan. So, you know. Anything like like Project 1950, me first Gimme yes. gimmies, that's just fun. That's a good time. Fun. It, it's an album where you don't want to skip any tracks because they're all good.
0: Right. It's all that you great know, 50s you know music with
1: a distortion pedal.
0: Yeah. So I mean, like, whatever. Like, it's just a shame it's not called like the only ones or <laughs> Jerry and Marky sing just some call 50, it fifty songs. Project
1: 1950.
0: Duh. I mean, honestly, think about how revered. How how like like ginormous that would be for Jerry Only and Marky Ramone? Like that would be such a feather in both of their caps. As you know, it's just called Project Nineteen Fifty. It has Jerry Ramone. It has uh, Jerry Only and Marky Ramone, and they do a bunch of fifty songs. They do Misfit songs. They do Ramone songs. It just
1: yeah.
0: works on paper so much better than calling it the Misfits.
1: Well, I but. mean, like calling it the. Calling it Project 1950 and doing what they did is just great. And then, I mean, it's still great that they did it under the Misfits. The only difference is doing it under the Misfits' name leaves them open for people to be, like, snarky and snide and, like... Right. You know, Brand confusion. Not really the Misfits. Brand
0: confusion. Yes. Which is like, what I discuss wanna, all the time on that show, so...
1: If you don't want to listen to it, fine. Don't listen to it. You know? You yeah. got to bust their chops. They're trying to make a living.
0: Yeah. This is you know, true. How,
1: like I don't, I don't. I'm happy they're doing the reunion because I get to see it. Hell yeah! I'm happy they're getting. I'm happy they're making money. Like you know, hell most yeah. of Those punk bands put out all this great stuff. We like. They didn't make a living on it. If if they can get a retirement nest egg out of this, right? God bless them. Take what you can get and get it, man. Yeah. You know, Jerry yeah. spent how many years keeping it alive for the fans. Get this the reunion money and have a nice when the time comes and you decide to retire and you can afford to because of these reunions, enjoy it. You earned it, man.
0: I I think they will do it. I think they will uh I think they will do it forever. As long as they can claim here's where I think they will stop. When they can't claim the money that they used to claim, when they can't command the the guarantees anymore, then they'll put an end to it. But as long as those guarantees keep rolling in, those dudes will never stop playing shows. And you know what? As long as it's like once a year, I think that's great. That's Listen. so many bands. There's so many bands who should just be be going out once a year and, and, and just doing their thing, right? The
1: more they do, the more fans will actually get to see them. And right. the more people are going to have those like out-of-body experiences we talked about. And that's great. Right. So, you know... As long as they want to do it, keep doing it, man. You know, I I love the Misfits music. I love the Samhain music. I love the Danzig music. I'm just happy getting good music.
0: Yeah, I agree. Hold on, I there are so many comments in the chat. I gotta let, let's get through some of these sure. comments. Uh, I don't want. I love. I love the participation. I'm so glad that people are talking. It's it makes the it makes the show so so great. So Winston says. He saw Phil and Samo sing Death Comes Ripping with Danzig. That's interesting. Winston, do you have any uh, YouTube footage of that? I'd love to see a YouTube video of that. Uh, Joe wants to know uh, that, says that that rules, Winston. What year was that? Yeah, we'd like to know, Winston. What year was that? Wednesday says, uh, were the ticket prices reasonable for the reunion? What's reasonable? I don't, uh, he's probably speaking about the misfits. Uh, Ultimately, at the end of the day, I think $300 was like the maximum threshold, and it was something that I tolerated twice over. I've seen, them, I've seen it three times. I spent $300 three times over, what, like a four-year period but or a three-year period, but... I would say that if it was anything more than three hundred dollars, I probably like if it was a five hundred dollar ticket. I don't know if I could justify that a second time. I
1: wouldn't have been. I wouldn't have been able to afford floor tickets. For it, five. it just would have been.
0: Yeah, it just would have been insane. It would I have been mean, crazy.
1: What's reasonable? Like you know, I don't if, know. If 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 you're addicted to drugs, you'll probably like crawl through the mud or do whatever you have to do to get. Great money. point.
0: Great if point. You it.
1: If you're Great that big point. a fan and you can afford it, you'd probably pay whatever it was.
0: Well, it took me six months to pay off $300. So I guess at the end of the day, if it was a $500 ticket, it just would have taken me more months to do it. I think I probably would have done it. But I I mean, could I keep doing it? Like, I just, it's not sustainable. And so, you know, is the ticket price a little high? Oh my God, for sure. They probably, if you're really thinking about it, they might've made more money on merch if they had lowered the ticket price. If you really think about it. Probably, Um, I mean,
1: people have more money to spend, they're going to spend it
0: it's more sustainable. So I don't know. Um, Joe says, Oh, right. Yes, Joe, we have to talk about, I want to hear Joe's point of view on this. Uh, JV bastard from Mr. Monster. He was at the show. He went to that show with Michael spent most of the night behind Doyle's cabs. Uh, we slipped in the back. I want it. Joe, next time you're on pizza punk, I want you to tell me the whole story start to finish. I want to hear from his perspective. Uh, because I'm sure he has a great POV being that he went to the show with Michael. Uh, Robbie says, even crazier idea, Goolsby, Alex story, Michael Graves and Chud in one set. That is really insane. When you think about it, Goolsby, Alex story, Michael Graves and Chud all played a single set together at a Glenn Danzig show.
1: Yeah, that's true. I never thought of it that way.
0: (laughs) And, and in Danzig's band, you have Tommy from Prong, you have um, Johnny from uh, uh, Typo, you have Steve from Sam Samhain and Danzig, and, and you've yeah. Like it's just <laughs> what a show! What a this show! Is why that I have must to
1: sit end. back and actually think what I've actually seen because I don't connect the dots like that too often. Right,
0: right. It really it is, is mind
1: blowing, though. You're
0: right. It is mind blowing. Uh, Joe says. Stayed. Okay. So he's finishing. He is sort of telling us the story, but Joe, you, I want to hear, I want you to give me the full, uh, the full Joe Vasta story experience sometime in the future. He says that he stayed in guitar world until his spot, until his spot and Michael left through the crowd out the front door and that he stayed. What a, what a, what an interesting perspective. Uh, Winston says, I think 2003, it was at the first blackest of the black tour around Danzig seven times super joint and opeth open so he's talking about when phil cool. did death okay. comes ripping and that was at a time where glenn danzig would rarely occasionally perform a misfit song i would say probably the rarest time to hear danzig do a misfit song was between 1995 and 2004 right that makes, sense. How, right? That that time, makes sense right like It is super rare to hear De- Glenn Danzig do a Misfit song in those nine years. He's doing Misfit songs with the early Danzig lineup and did Misfit songs with Sam Hain, um, maybe even 94. Nine, no, I want to take that back. Let's, let's say that from 1992 to 2004, it is incredibly rare to hear Glenn Danzig do a Misfit song. Would you agree with that? that? Makes- yeah, that
1: makes sense, that timeline.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, Joe says I brought Michael arguably closer to Glenn one other time to his front door bricks and all, uh, that is another story I want to hear Joe. That sounds like an incredibly hilarious story, probably at Danzig's LA house. They're probably pouring in LA and went by the brick house or not the brick house, but the house with the bricks in the front yard. Um, um, Wednesday says, well, Wednesday, you are really into Kiss. Uh, Wednesday says, I read Kiss Charged, but this is not a Miss It show, so we could talk about it. I mean, this is just a, a punk show. We're talking about everything. I read that Kiss Charged nearly $100 for a stream, and you could only watch it for three days or something. Hope this ain't the future. I Listen, I got to tell you, check my other video. I'm not going to go into it here because it's too much of a tangent, but I had – uh, Dead Gene Richie from the blood-sucking zombies from outer space. Great guy, great band. Uh, they they're in Europe and they're a, they're a horror punk band, but I think they call themselves Horror Billy. They're they're um they have a financial model for distri- uh, distributing music that I think is just really sound. If you have an audience uh, that follows your stuff and people check out that video, it's a really interesting video. And another thing on um not on Kiss. Oh, God! I just ran into a pothole. We were talking about kiss. We were talking about blood sucking zombies. Uh, the
1: going to Danzig's house with the bricks.
0: Yeah, no, I'm it's not common to me if I remember uh Winston's asking Joe, Phil was sitting on the side stage, rolling joints during Glenn's set. That's crazy. Austin says. I don't know if this is an insult or a, or a compliment. Austin says that I am the Eddie trunk of horror punk. I, I don't know how to, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to take that. I did once ask Eddie trunk at speaking of which this is the perfect time to segue into tell me, let's talk about that chiller theater. Cause Eddie trunk was at that chiller theater that where they had the Misfits room. And I asked him if he wanted to do uh cause you know, as you know, I've been making a misfits documentary for many right. years and, uh, that's one of the reasons why I was at that show in particular, and uh, that was actually the day I met Sal B. And um, uh, I asked Eddie Trunk if if he wanted to uh, say, a, you know, had a couple sound bites about the Misfits, and he's like, "I don't listen to the Misfits. I don't really even listen to Danzig. I don't really know much about that stuff." And then uh, I heard Eddie Trunk sort of slamming the Misfits reunion um, when it first happened, and I thought, "What a what a jabroni! This guy is just such a frigging jabroni." I don't like any drunk. Not a fan.
1: You so. know, I I, w- I used to watch that metal show a lot.
0: That was um, an interesting show. The concept yeah. was interesting, but he had Glenn Danzig on.
1: I don't remember that one. I With just Bill Ward.
0: It. Hmm. Bill Ward from Black Sabbath and Glenn Danzig were on the same show for that metal show. I rem-
1: See, I remember. I remember he had Lita Ford on it. Um. I, I used she to watch that, whenever she,
0: hmm? she was at that chiller, I think. Yeah. She was really nice. She was yeah, really, really, really nice. nice. Really nice. So, um, so what was your experience at the chiller?
1: Kind of like my experience in the undead, man. I was just, there as backup. He Wanted yeah. the band there. We were there, yeah. helped them set up, helped them break down. If he needed something that, you know, that's what we were there for. Yeah. I, I, I don't really have a lot to say about it. I was there when Doyle gave him the guitar. That was really nice of him.
0: Yeah. Cool. Yeah. He gave him the, um, and, and George was pissed about it.
1: I don't, I, I'll take your words for it. I don't remember her pissed. I just remember her dropping her drink on it.
0: She was, yeah, right. And she was, uh she was kind of Looney Tunes all over the place. She was like bop bipping and bopping around. She was wearing a little like top hat, rubber banded on her head. It was really weird. I remember that. And
1: listen, we all make fashion choices that don't necessarily work from one point. to yeah, another,
0: yeah. You're absolutely right. And what was interesting was I remember, okay, I remember Mike Hideous was in the room and yep. it was a little awkward because Mike was there. And I think some of the other guys, there was a lot of, there was some contention or controversy as to why uh, he was also in the room with them or something, uh, which right, I didn't right. think was very nice. Yeah. I just like, you know, and I know Paul. Uh, Paul from Living the American Nightmare was there as well.
1: Yeah, he was uh, there with Hideous.
0: Right, he was there with Hideous. And that's another play. We, we bumped into each other at the premiere of that as well. Remember where, where, when when uh, when? Oh, yeah, that old uh, Paul
1: in Theater. Yeah, I remember that. Great theater.
0: Great oh, okay. theater. And we all got D- Living in the American Nightmare DVD goodie bags.
1: I still have at the, the end. DVD.
0: Me too. Me so too. I was. think it's worth a lot of money yeah, uh, now. Yeah. I don't know. Um, and I remember, I remember going back to the chiller for a second. Uh, I remember, uh, Doyle, Chud and Michael taking this like super awkward, like family photo together. And like, they were all being sort of pressured into doing it. I don't think they wanted to do it. I don't remember that. Yeah. Yeah. It was weird. And, um, yeah, it was just like really. I think that was probably like the last one of the might be one of the last times those three guys were in a room together. Maybe who probably. knows? Um, I know that Graves, at least Graves, maybe I don't think Chud or Doyle, but Graves definitely wanted that to happen again. The whole 95 thing over several times, or at least people in his camp wanted it to happen and were trying desperately to make it happen, and it didn't go down. Um,
1: I mean, that makes sense. There's,
0: there's money to be made money in it. Yeah, for sure. But
1: listen, everybody wants to make money.
0: Yeah. So yeah. Surprising. It's not surprising. And the, um, uh, what else happened? Was that the, was that also the chiller that he got married to Jill or was that the, Yes,
1: that was the same chiller. chiller, That was the same chiller. I remember
0: I was with Dave street, Dave street and I were hanging out.
1: Okay, yeah, that was the chill tr- because I remember during the ceremony I sat next to um, next to Michael and Chud.
0: Oh, really? So That's yeah, hilarious. And
1: I, I think Doyle and George missed the ceremony. I, I think missed. they ran upstairs to, yes. to shower and then they came down and missed it. But they, they yes. came down like right after it was over.
0: Right. Right. Very um, convenient. Very convenient. And I remember
1: how choked up Bobby got when Doyle gave him the guitar. That yeah, was, that was pretty cool to see. He got really excited about
0: that. Yeah, I'm sure he was not expecting it. I think that's really, really generous, really oh, generous of to do that. So he didn't play it live, though. Uh,
1: not to my knowledge, never when I was in the band.
0: Um, I saw it at his house or at his mom's house, but I never saw him uh, touch it or play it or anything. I think it was more of a trophy, trophy sort of situation. Trying to think what else happened uh, at that show. Oh, and he played with the Dead Elvi, I think, or you guys played with the Dead I Elvi? Didn't or... I don't know.
1: Billy and I didn't, uh, didn't play chiller with Bobby ever. If, Bill, if Billy did, it wasn't uh, with me.
0: You know um, what? He got, up, got up and up he sang 18. The... He sang 18 with the band.
1: Yeah, he, he got up there with the Dead Elvi. I remember that. Right, but, um...
0: right, right. And um,
1: we're yeah. forgetting, Erie Vaughn was there that year too because he, yes, he was in the Isle.
0: Yes, he was. And you know what's funny? How crazy what a crazy situation that Erie Vaughn is walking walking her down the aisle and Mary Bobby to marry Bobby. And I remember I did not talk or meet Erie, but I just remember walking by him. I just remember how tall that dude is. I was like, wow, that guy is tall. I was in such awe of him. I had I no just-
1: idea he was gonna be there. Yeah, I think he was
0: in a last minute edition, and I think Bobby was upset. Who said it? Someone said it about Bo- uh, Bo- uh, Eerie was smoking a cigarette and it made yeah, Bobby. Bobby,
1: upset. Bobby Bobby's real sensitive, right? Like anytime we went anywhere, he'd have like a, a dehumidifier or something, and yeah, Eerie lit right. up in the room and Bobby like bolted so it didn't affect them, right? But um, I didn't know Eerie was going to be there, and the first night we're setting up and he's there with sal b and they're drinking whiskey and i was like <laughs> yeah whiskey huh? I, I can appreciate that and erie just hands me the bottle
0: nice and i got
1: to take a pull, and i'm sitting there with sal and erie and i'm just thinking to myself you are sharing whiskey from the bottle with the you know the bass player from sam and danzig take a cool. moment to appreciate this because yeah. high school you would never believe it
0: yeah. Yeah. It's fun. It's fun to geek out over stuff like that. Hold on. I'm going to get some more of these comments. Rue says, hold on. We got a bunch more comments. Rue says he spent 450 for the seat. I only used for five minutes. Luckily I befriended Jerry's nephew at the bar and wound up with floor passes. That it, Rue. Nice. That is a great night. And I'm super stoked for you that that was your experience. Super stoked. That's awesome. Um, truly awesome. Robbie bloodshed stumped the trunk. I guess that's meaning that Robbie bloodshed stumped, uh, uh, Eddie trunk one day. I I don't know. I don't know. Winston says, um, maybe footage is out there. I haven't seen it. It was in Mesa, Arizona at the Mesa amphitheater regarding, uh, Phil and Samo and, uh, Glenn Danzig doing death comes ripping. Joe says, I believe that is the only show where Goolsby and Alex were common in that band for that is the whole story. Um, So yeah, he's saying that Goolsby and Alex were, that was the only time that they shared a show in that lineup. And I don't know. I don't know if that's true. I I,
1: I think Joe's right. I don't think. um, It was real quick. Alex was in Doyle or gorgeous Frankenstein or whatever it was called. Yeah. When they were in the band, I, I think that's the only time they shared the stage because I know when Goulsby was in the band, it was a three piece. It was Doyle, Goulsby, and Chuck. well, first it was Doyle, Goolsby and uh, Stripes from Blitz. Right.
0: That's and right. Stripes band for a while. Yep.
1: Then the tour uh, we played with them in Philly at the New Alhambra Arena in Zombie Mafia. Yeah, that tour it was Goolsby, Doyle, and Chud, and then George was up there. So I think by the time
0: he's singing, Goolsby's got his headset trying to sing.
1: I'm pretty sure by the time Alex was in the band, Goolsby was out,
0: right? That makes sense. And that's really when the band kind of turns to Doyle, yeah. When 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 Alex is in the band and you know he's not tethered to an instrument and they really have the formation that you know. Doyle is now, I guess, for the most part, right? Yeah. yeah, Yeah. As far as I I know, they've
1: always been, uh, ever since uh, Alex joined the band, they've always had a four-piece lineup. Right. Like the bass player, drummer, Doyle, and vocalist.
0: Robbie says, I was backstage at that. I didn't know that, Robbie. Why did not you tell me that? Uh, Robbie was backstage at the Graves Danzig show thanks to Sal B. Weird vibes in that gorgeous Frankenstein dressing room. Ooh. Do tell Robbie. Do tell either on air or off. Ooh. Um Joe says, Yeah, pretty sure that was Goolsby's last Richard Frankenstein show. So there you go. That that's
1: um, I think Joe's right. That sounds I mean, man, what a way to go out, though.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, that's a great way to finish it up with a three-quarters M95 reunion. I mean, yeah, getting to be a jury be for the Getting to be Jerry only for the uh, 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 Misfits '95 reunion—that's pretty cool. Uh, Robbie says, "I never felt more awkward in my life until at that chiller when George asked me to take a picture of her and Doyle tonguing." Oh my god! Oh my lord! That is that that, right. that, that that sounds like a, a crazy scenario. You know what's funny? I did the Doyle episode of Rock and Roll Cooking with Sal B. Uh, which really has its genesis at that chiller. And, um, you know, the thing that people kept mentioning in the comments that I never noticed when I was filming the episode, when I was filming the interview, is every time Doyle takes a bite of this pasta, Doyle has a ginormous mouth. And every time he takes a bite of this pasta, he doesn't swallow. He just he just puts the pasta in his mouth, careful not to get his makeup messed up, and then just keeps talking. And it's like, dude, you just put a whole fucking thing of pasta in your mouth. He's just like, He's like such a beast of a person. Yeah, he, do he doesn't have to chew his pasta. He just like it's like this. And then he's just like talking. It's just really crazy. Really, really crazy. Uh, Austin Smith is asking Jeff, any chance of getting Mike Hideous on the show? Austin, I actually messaged him. Uh, uh, we hadn't spoken in a while. And I was like, hey man, you want to come on the show? He said yes. I uh, haven't scheduled anything yet. Uh, usually I don't like talking about that stuff until I have have it locked in. But, you know, we'll see. Hopefully I'd like to get uh, Mike has a new project out. And I believe he is in the process of uh, get, get regaining control of living the American nightmare. And I'm very happy for him. And I hope that uh, he gets to do whatever he initially wanted to do with said project. So good for Mike Hideous on that regard. Um, Austin says, Robbie Bloodshed asked Eddie Trump to name three Misfits covers, Metallica did, and Eddie Trump could only name one or two. So Robbie Bloodshed stumped the trunk. Is that a feature on the show? That that was something
1: on that metal show. They used to have, like, audience members go on and ask Eddie questions, and if he got them wrong, they'd get, like, a prize.
0: Interesting. Winston asks, why was Goolsby not the singer of Doyle? So a couple of things. One, uh, I believe that that Goolsby was always just the singer of Gorgeous Frankenstein. The band really—I guess it's the same band—but it really sort of changes into a different band. Doyle is a different band from Gorgeous Frankenstein, even though it carried over some of the personnel. It's a different formation. Uh, they have a front man in in Alex Story. Goolsby is kind of a front man, but he's also playing bass as they are three piece. And they essentially become a four-piece Falco story. It's kind of like a whole shifting, and plus, Doyle and George broke up, and so uh, uh, Doyle. I've heard many different people take credit for this, uh, but Doyle smartly—smartly uh, uh, smartly is not a word. Uh, in in a genius, in a in a smart. What am I trying to say here, Alex? In a
1: in a clever move.
0: In a why? Wi- <laughs> a why? Wi- in a wise decision in a clever move for whatever why am i making such a big deal of this in a in a clever stroke of genius in a in a in a genius god i can't get past it um D- doyle made the very wise decision to change the name to doyle and now he never has to worry about you know uh who owns the rights to the band or anything because doyle is doyle it's a smart boss. move Doyle
1: it's a lot less letters on the t-shirts they're probably cheaper to make that way
0: right and also if you think about it he's at he's at this time he's doing shows with Danzig Danzig and Doyle and so it probably worked for marketing it's like a weird brand confusion where you're going where nobody even knows that Doyle is a part of Gorgeous Frankenstein it's like huh it's like you either change your name to Frankenstein which also would have been a very smart move I believe there's a band called Frankenstein, but I think Doyle could have just changed his name to Frankenstein. That would have been a really cool, interesting idea. You know, he comes out of the show, like someone flips a switch, Alex Story flips a switch, and Doyle, you know, the, there's electricity, and Doyle comes out of a coffin and starts playing playing his songs. Frankenstein, that makes sense. Drop the gorgeous. You
1: know, they they did that uh the dead boys were original when they were in Cleveland right. in nineteen
0: seventy five. They were called yeah, and there's you
1: a- um did you ever this read Cheetah's, Cheetah's book?
0: I have never read Cheetah's book, but I have hung out with Jimmy Zero backstage at the only Dead Boys reunion in 2005 with all the members, Jeff Magnum. Well, yeah. Well, hold on. Now,
1: there were that's. Are you talk, you're, You said in Cleveland, right? Because they also did. They also did the Save CBGB shows too. Right, that's
0: um oh 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 no not the one in Cleveland I was at Cbgbs
1: okay I didn't get see that's one of the CB's reunion things I missed I wish I'd gone to
0: I saw um, a bunch
1: of shows there but I didn't get to that one
0: I reckon that you know what's funny yeah go ahead what
1: my first undead show first time I was playing a bass uh was with the bullies and I forget who else was on the bill but Jeff Magnum was at the
0: show, right? Yeah, Jeff Magnum was always doing stuff with the Bullies. I'm not a big fan of the Bullies. I so I helped Peter Crowley put on those Max's Kansas City reunions in 2000. Okay. So the one, the thing that you played, I was one of, I was like a assistant to the organizer, promoter, whatever you want to call it. And um, and I remember the Bullies were real dicks. They just, they really are bullies. They're they're kind of like, I don't know. I thought they were kind of coolish. Um. And they are big yeah. was with, associating with Marky Ramone. I don't know. I just feel like they kind of... And Jeff Magnum. Jeff Magnum would do Sonic Reducer. Yeah. And, um, and Jeff I didn't I, play did
1: with that. them the night I played. What I played wasn't one of the Max's reunions when I played with them. It was, a, it was some small bar uh, in New York, but it was with the bullies on the bill. And um, I just remember Jeff was there. I'm like okay, this is one of the dead boys. This is really cool.
0: Yeah, that is really cool. And if, you, if you're if you friends with Jeff on Facebook, he has a bunch of videos of him playing bass to songs. And it, he does uh, his bass playing, and you'd appreciate this as a bass player. The way that he plays, he is a phenomenal bass player, number one. Oh, yeah. And two, he, the, the stuff that he's doing on I Won't Look Back, I don't know if you're familiar with that song. Yeah, sure. Oh, it is that bass part is like, I like literally must've watched that video 20, 30 times just in all again, ba- baseball uh, music is my baseball. Just watching this yeah. guy, just, just stru- the strumming technique for playing. He's playing it like a guitar player. He's playing the bass, like a guitar yeah. player. He's so good. He's not cheating. He's not doing any, you know, um, not, not doing any like uh, energy conservation things. He's like really sort of just he doesn't doing, get
1: enough credit.
0: He does not get enough credit for what he's done. So um, so there's that, um, but in terms of, yeah, I just think that it would have made sense for Doyle just to call, you know, if you're, if you're changing the band, call, just call yourself Frankenstein or, I mean, no, call yourself Doyle, but I mean, if you're not going to call yourself Doyle or if, if George splits and she owns half the name, you know, cause she c- kind of owns half the band, you know, call yourself, call yourself Frankenstein Call it a day. That, that would have been kind of interesting. I think that would have worked. Uh, Joe says a lot of that show's plans were confusing to seemingly all internally. If not mistaken, it was the day after Xmas. So he's saying the show happened the day after Christmas. Um, I know that uh yeah, Joe, Joe was was made privy to some of those details, and as as was I. We understand that, yeah, it was a little. Yeah, there was definitely some chaos with that. Uh, at that show, I don't
1: know if that one was the day after Christmas. I it it might have been really close to Christmas because I know I know for a fact the one that was a day after Christmas was the show I took Dave, and that that was the night I met like all the other guys that wound up being in the Zombie Mafia. It was also the only time I saw Danzig. With Kenny Hickey on guitar, right and from typo. Yeah, and I know when the 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 Doyle Graves Goolsbee Chud thing.
0: That was Two thousand nine. That I remember. That
1: show was with Tommy Victor on guitar. So,
0: so was unless, that two thousand
1: nine? I don't know the dates, what but unless he south? did, I don't think I don't think he did two shows at Starland the day after Christmas. But that
0: would be, be interesting if he did. If he did.
1: And it might have been around that time because it kind of, it it makes sense to be around that time because he was probably home visiting his mom or something. Uh, Joe says,
0: Joe says that no one in gorgeous Frankenstein was really a brief of the details of that show and that he believes even Goolsby was rather surprised that Alex was there. Interesting. Joe goes on to say, there was no rehearsal before it. Michael knew nothing more than that he was invited to come down and Jan and that he was on the list. So Doyle probably put Michael on the list. Danzig is probably not reviewing the guest list. So how would Danzig know? <laughs> Graves is keeping a low – Joe was – Graves was probably keeping a low profile, right? Um, he says, I believe there was only one brief phone call in planning it. So there you go. Um. And Robbie says, Jeff, Alex's favorite guitarist is Rick. Does Alex know about my interaction with Agnew? I don't, probably not, but thanks for the great, great story. I didn't know that. So Rick Agnew is your favorite guitarist.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, Rick Agnew is the reason I learned how to play the bass and the drums. Like I, I, I really learned, like I started playing guitar in seventh grade and that was my first instrument. And I I listened to like all your stereotypical pop punk stuff. And Mm -hmm. my father's coworker knew that I was listening to that. He goes, I'm going to make him some CDs. So here's some real punk rock. So he makes me these mixed CDs with the Stooges. uh, Yeah. The Dickies were on it, the Ramones and social distortion. And I really took to the social distortion stuff. So I started looking up all, you know, Orange County bands like, Agent Orange, The Adolescents, T-S-O-L, and I really took to The Adolescence. So,
0: All right, I'm trying to find something right now for you. Let me see if I can find it before I start telling you the story because it'll make it just that much sweeter. And you ever so- been
1: to Vintage Vinyl in Woodbridge, the record store?
0: Um, no.
1: It's a great record store. They've got a ton of cool stuff. So I'm like... 16 maybe and i'm in there one day and i see this cd rick agnew all by myself and mm. oh I'm i know that. i have that i have that i don't like downloads i like having the physical media because mm-hmm. i like going through the liner notes
0: mm-hmm. so i
1: see this and i go okay rick i know rick played in the adolescence i know he wrote a good chunk of the blue album i'm gonna pick this up mm-hmm. and i'm looking at the liner notes." And I see, you know, vocals, guitar, bass, drums, all Rick Agnew. And I knew people like...
0: All by himself.
1: I knew people played like multiple instruments, but I'd never had the idea in my head like, you know, someone could go in and do like like the first Foo Fighters album or All By Myself where one guy does everything. Right. And I was like, okay, this is really cool. His mm-hmm. music's really good. I got to learn how to play bass and drums. I can't sing. I have a terrible singing voice, but if I can't find a band, maybe I can like find a singer at the very least, and still be able to do like like I wanted to do what Rick does. I still do. You know all, all my well, guitar what's playing. What's stopping I want... you? Hmm.
0: What's stopping you?
1: Well, nothing really. I you know the fact the fact that I don't have to. I play in, in two bands. With a bunch of really great musicians, like I, right? I'm a I'm a good drummer, but I'm nowhere near like Mark or Alex, the guys I play with. I don't mm-hmm. have to do it all, and I'm happy playing with those guys. But you know, that's why I picked up drumsticks. That's why I learned how to play the bass. You know, uh,
0: right. I've always said
1: I like if I'm in bands, I'll say to my my bandmate, like, okay. You do the Rick Agnew part for this one, I'll do the Frank Agnew part for this one because that's that's what I like.
0: Frank used to be in TSOL, which I did yeah. not know, yeah. Blew did. my he mind.
1: Played, he played live with them, and then after the tour, they didn't keep him on because they decided to go for a keyboard driven sound. But right. if you pick up or if you already have, and Greg,
0: Greg, Greg, Cruin, yeah, uh, Keen. Keen yeah, took but over. if you have the Trigger Complex album. Hell, uh, do, do, I ha- do I have the Trigger Complex album? I have it on vinyl with the t-shirt combo. I have the, the split, wh- uh, the red and clear with the black splatter. That record is a masterpiece. I love so every So then you know Frank Agnew's on
1: it, right?
0: I did not know that Frank play, played on it. That's yeah, awesome. Frank what did he play? What, what did he play on that? Uh, what Good songs song. did he play? Uh, on the whole I thing? don't know
1: how much of it, but I I know he's on that album on guitar.
0: Uh, that is awesome and makes me really happy and I love that record to death. I'm a huge, 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 huge TSOL fan. With, that's a whole nother rabbit hole. But what I'm trying to find for you is I'm trying to find I'm trying to find my interaction with Rick Avenue, which Robbie actually hung out with Rick Avenue. Yeah. Uh, oh, Agnew. he gets
1: plenty of mileage telling me that.
0: Yeah, he like he like I spent know. time with him while he was on tour or something. I mean, to be um, to be
1: fair, he did get me an autograph. He brought it back for me, which was very sweet of him. That's really nice. It.
0: That's that is a nice thing to do. But what I'm trying to do is so I made uh, I'm also a feature-length filmmaker. That's what I do. Right. I'm, in addition to all the stuff, I'm a filmmaker. So I made a film called Romeo's Distress. If you're, a Rick, if you're a Rick fan the way that you say you are, then you know that Rick also played in another little band called Christian Death. Yeah. Yeah, which, I'm aware of
1: that. Okay, I actually that... saw him once. Um, he was in 45 Grave, and they played uh, – Nice. One, one, of the, one of the CBGB shows was nice. Channel 3, 45 Grave. D.I., the Circle Jerks, in the Adolescents. So I saw him at that what show.
0: California lineup. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. And
1: I, I remember um, I, I was right in front of him when he was on stage. You better believe I wasn't missing the guitar lesson.
0: So and he uh, – um, sorry, go ahead. Finish what you were and saying. And the only other
1: thing I really remember from that show was um, Casey Royer from D.I. and the Adolescents was crowd surfing, and he landed Night. on a beer bottle and broke it. So I was like, well, I'm staying out of the slam pit tonight because I don't want to fall on that.
0: Um, so I can't find it. I was just looking at looking for it right now. Uh but basically one day out of the blue, uh, Rick Agnew just like messages me online and he's just like, he's like, hey, fuck stick. He's like, he's like super fucking mad at me. And he's like cursing, cursing at me, and everything. He's super mad that I named my film Romeo's Distress, and he thought, I guess he thought that I needed to like license it from him or something. I was just like, dude, I was like, I was like, oh my god, you're Rick Agnew. (laughs) I'm like, this is so yelling at. It was, yeah, exact. That's exactly what it was. He's yelling at me, and I'm just like, we were just, I was like, it was inbox message. And I'm just like – I have it screenshotted somewhere because I was so – like the way that you were geeking – I was geeking out because I'm going – I'm like the dude from the band who wrote the song is is actually – because you know, I named it in honor of this right. Christian death song that I love to death, even with its questionable lyrics. Um, Freaking uh, – uh, he's, he's yelling at me. And then the weirdest thing, uh, uh, like a month goes by – and then he apologizes to me and says, "I'm so sorry. I thought you were licensing the song. I thought you were using the song without licensing it for me." Because I'm going, "Hey, dude, I want to license the track, like for the movie. Like that was my plan at the time." And um, and he actually apologized and said he was re- he confused me with another movie, which is called Little Sister or Little Angel which uses the track, and then he never got paid for it or something. Oh. Uh, but it was just funny that – I was just weird that, like, here I am using the name of the song, and then the guy from – that's the amazing thing about the internet is that, like, when the thing is small enough, when the world is small enough, yeah. that, like, the person who's affiliated with the thing, well, you can interact with them, or they can yeah. seek you out, or some sort of weird – so I thought it was really funny that he was just super mad about <laughs> – about the use of that name, and then like he was like totally cool about it, and it was just it was over it. I just thought that was really funny, and that's it that's is. my interaction with Rick Agnew. I know it's like kind of overblown all that explanation. No,
1: I well, what's funny is I had no idea he was in Forty Five Grave when I went to that show. Like,
0: oh, interesting, because he's not so, really in the band. He just probably was playing guitar. He probably yeah, he in. was
1: playing guitar, and I get there. And it's before the show, and, you know, everybody's hanging out in front of the club, and the Adolescents had put out a DVD uh, in the early 2000s when he was still in the band, uh, "Alive at the House of Blues one. And I'm hanging out outside with my friend, and I'm looking, and I'm like, that guy looks a lot like Rick Agnew, but I know <laughs> he's not playing in the Adolescents, I know he's not right. in D.I., so I get inside and I'm up by the merch and there's someone selling like Rick Agnew shirts. I'm like, and I asked them, I'm like, is Rick playing tonight? And I just don't know it. And like, oh yeah, he's playing guitar in 45 Grave. And I was like, so great. I was like, well, this is officially the best night of my life. Yeah, I dude. I think this is a win.
0: I would say that's a win for sure. Um, that was a killer lineup that night. I, so to continue the thread. Joe, in between Robbie's comment Joe initially said there was no rehearsal before this this reunion, show. Michael knew nothing more of it he was invited to come down and jam and that he was on the list I believe there was only one brief phone call and then he follows it up with but if there was as much of a handshake between those dudes you saw it on stage, I guess meaning that there was there was no love lost between those guys being on stage together they uh, sort of uh, it was a very awkward or strange situation. Who knows? Who knows? I
1: mean, you know, if it was, kudos to them for doing it. You know they didn't have to do that and they still chose to do it. So it's right. pretty cool of them.
0: Joe says it was between Xmas and New Year's Eve. Gotham Road played New Year's Eve that year, and I know for sure we rehearsed the night before the gig as well. So I know it was definitely 2009. So it was 2009 between Xmas and New Year's Eve. Maybe it was December 26, two nights in a row. Who knows? Right. I
1: just know for a fact the first time, uh, because it was the first time I saw Danzig, was the time I took Dave, and it was definitely the day after Christmas, and gotcha. it definitely wasn't. It definitely wasn't the show with Michael because the first time I saw Danzig, uh, Kenny so, Hickey was on guitar, and I know it was, it was Tommy on guitar for the, the show that Michael did with Doyle and
0: Chud and Goolsby. Lastly, Joe says, the audience saw 100% of the interaction between Alex, Ghouls, Chud, Doyle, and Michael that night which is pretty interesting. So there was no backstage interaction between any of these individuals. They all hopped on stage, did their thing, and that was that, I guess, according to this comment that Joe made. I've Uh, heard that before. But we know that Doyle and Chud definitely continued on, uh, at least for a few more years until uh, Chud left Doyle in the lurch, right before tour. Right. Right. And then T, Tini from Tiny. Tiny. Tiny, Tiny, Tiny.
1: from TSOL.
0: Yes, from TSOL, who I had seen. I've Ten never missed. Yes, and I've never missed an East Coast TSOL show. So I had seen him at, I'd seen him with TSOL. I'm sorry?
1: I saw them at Asbury Lanes with Tiny.
0: So to, just the correction, I've never missed them when they're on the East Coast. I didn't go to every single East Coast date, but I've okay. just never missed a tour. Um, and... Man, he was such a solid. I like Anthony, the new guy. They have another guy named Anthony in the band, but uh, yeah,
1: Anthony Dal Hernandez. Yeah, he's yeah, a good drummer. Great
0: drummer. Great drummer. And he did a great job. I saw him with the souls, but uh uh Tiny was great too, man. Tiny was such a Tiny. solid drummer for that. Oh my them. god,
1: it was like a cannon behind them.
0: Yes, yes,
1: yeah.
0: I and he them them them? The, huh? Sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, I was go ahead.
1: Say, I saw them at the lanes and Tiny was on drums, and it was great, because he could actually answer a question for me. I saw Tiny twice with the Dickies, once at the original Fiend Fest, and once at a Joey Ramone bash, and I had caught a drumstick uh, from Tiny when he threw it out at the Joey bash, but I caught another one that night, and I had them, and I had no idea whose was whose, so the night he played with TSOL, I was like, hey, I I need to ask you a question. You got to settle this for me. (laughs) what kind of drumsticks were you using when you were in the Dickies? He was like, oh, that's easy. I was using these. So I was like, all right, cool. He goes, why? Because I caught one, but I caught one from someone else, and I don't know whose is whose. He's like, oh, yeah, mine was definitely this one. And then at the end of the night when the set was done, he gave me one of the ones he used with TSOL. So I have a matching pair from Tiny. He was was a cannon with them, man. They were so powerful when he was
0: on drums. Powerful drummer. And you want to know something? He probably could have held his own on doing those Misfits tracks, but all by himself, he would have just crushed doing Misfits songs. Probably. Could have I mean, he that. did them with
1: Doyle. He did that tour. Right. that Chud dropped off
0: of. Right. I was at the third show when when we did that interview, and and friggin uh, Doyle and Chud. It's me, Doyle and Chud, all sitting. No, me, Doyle and Sal, all sitting on a the couch. They just did a sound check. And I just was – I just, I wasn't saying anything. I just was there as as Sal's friend. But I'm just sitting there watching uh, uh, Doyle and Sal talk about Chud uh, leaving him in the lurch and how they, he was so grateful to have uh, Tiny there and uh, come in. And he did – listen, he held his own for literally learning those songs in 48 hours, maybe. So
1: Tiny's yeah. a pro. He played in Hitsky, T-S-O-L, the Dickies. I think he's – I think last I heard he was doing bullet boys before COVID hit. I think.
0: I I don't know. Um, I do know that I, I think it's a shame that he left TSOL because he was just so stable for that. He stabilized that the the lineup for so many years. And it's a shame they couldn't see eye to eye or whatever happened. Yeah. Uh it just uh it just really really is a bummer because I just really liked him. But I'm glad that they got Anthony. Anthony's great. I yeah. think he's be on. He's done a bunch of singles with them now. Um, we were
1: supposed to play with them before COVID hit. We had we were Zombie Mafia was booked.
0: Oh we really? In
1: ballroom with Black Flag TSOL. Right. The Dickies I was going to go to the, New York, State. Go to the then, New York
0: I was going to go to the New York
1: date, and then COVID hit, and that was that. I mean, yeah. we, we've played with the Dickies and TSOL before. Not that it wouldn't have been great to do it again. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I was really excited about the Black Flag aspect, just because I hadn't, I haven't played with them, I haven't seen them. Although I did see well, Flag. Yeah. Well. Flag. Yeah. 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 No kidding. Flag. No kidding. Uh-huh. Um, my I first mean, co- my first real punk concert. I'm not talking like pop punk stuff. I was in Philadelphia, uh, checking out the college I went to. And it was at the Theater of Living Arts. I saw a Rollins band doing a set of exclusively Black Flag songs. It was a West Memphis Three benefit. Right. And then the opening act was Keith Morris with Rollins Band doing nothing but Black Flag songs from his era. Right.
0: That was awesome. That is awesome.
1: But yeah, no, you'll get no argument from me on the whole flag, Black Flag thing.
0: I saw Flag with TSOL at Irving Closet. That's that's (laughs) a show. And, and Jerry only was there <laughs> in full Jerry only regalia because of Dez. Oh, that's uh, that so cool. Funny.
1: You know, I've caught a lot, lot of like reunion shows of like 80s bands. The one thing I'm really, bum- two things I'm really bummed I didn't get to see are I didn't get to see the Dead Boys and I didn't get to see Flag. So,
0: Flag, I'm sure Flag will come around again. I hope so. And again, I could literally just sit. I've spoken about this before. I could sit and watch Bill Stevenson talk yeah. about power drummers. Just if makes you read about so easy. Because you know what he's doing? I've st- I've literally I just study him on YouTube. You know what he's doing? All of the all of his hitting, all of the power comes from his wrist. Yeah. He's not really moving his arms.
1: No, all he's the got attack. the symbols all lined up, so it's real yeah. minimal movement.
0: Right. And that's how he conserves energy. So his power is not coming from flailing his arms. No, His power is just from doing it in his wrist. And so he probably, if if given the opportunity to like prepare for the set, he probably could give Marky Ramon a run, at least make him sweat a little bit on some of those Ramones. I don't think anybody could take out Marky Ramon doing Ramone songs. But he could, I mean, that guy's got the, the it's probably like ingrained in his muscle memory. But I would imagine that Bill Stevenson would make him sweat a little bit just from probably. his... Just from his ability with those ri that wrist action is just unbelievable. If anybody and, uh, well,
1: I'll put it this way if anybody could give Marky a run for his money or make him sweat, it's Bill.
0: Yeah. Yeah, man. Because Black Flag just that creepy crawl, freaking Greg just making them do the the, the 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 sludge. Yeah. And just getting the power just just power hitting, you know. I don't know. It's kind of crazy. Um t- uh uh, friggin' Austin Smith wants uh my Chud impression, which is really a rip off of, uh, you know, hearing the Blitzkid guys do it. And again, I've spent a lot of time around Chud, but it's like me doing an impression of those guys doing the impression. And really, I, I think that, as I said, I say this every episode, I think Loki does the best Chud. He Loki does,
1: does a very good Chud.
0: Because <laughs> just like. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like, you know, this judge is like, bro, bro. Oh, come on, come on, bro. Or, oh, yeah, oh, oh, you know, just that's that that's Rob's just. bass
1: player. Jesse does a good one too.
0: Oh yeah. I, I'd like to see that sometime. I bet it's really great. I, I, it's fun. It's fun doing impressions of, of that guy. He is, he's a, he's almost as much cartoon as he, as he is a human being. Um, Joe says, Ah, uh, continuing Joe's thread, there wasn't even an opportunity for it to be awkward re- regarding Alex' story. Goolsby, Chud, and 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 Doyle, they potentially never spoke a word to one another. That wasn't on stage, spare for the brief initial phone call between Graves and Doyle. So, there you have it. And then, what is interesting is you know, I mean, Goolsby went on to play. He went on to play bass for all three of those guys. Um, yeah. So, or, or had at one point or another. Uh, and and Alex and Doyle, have, I guess they've been playing together for almost 11, 12 years now. Has it been that long? Man. Yeah, it's been a long yeah, time. Time
1: flies. Uh,
0: uh, Joe says that the Chud impression is all in the shoulders. I think he's talking about with Loki. Loki just goes, <laughs> he's like, <laughs> it's just so funny, man. It's just so funny. Um, I
1: always said I wish I had joined X Ward because I had the greatest stupid pun band name ever. What was it?
0: What would it have been? What? Just okay. Zombie I Alex? Could been, or... I could
1: have been medic Al Waste.
0: Medic medical waste. How, how, how
1: great of a stupid pun is that? Huh? That would have been perfect. Um,
0: that would have been that. That would have been good. I'm sure that would have gotten a chuckle out of Chad. Just going. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't even do it anymore. It's like I get put on the spot. I can't even, I don't have it within me to uh, uh, to even do it anymore. Um, another thing, another time we crossed paths, you were at Ghouls Night Out X. Yeah. Remember? You did that I interview. Was, and thank
1: you. I did want to say thank you. I did manage to track down that, uh, that link you told me about with the footage and oh uh, you mean 20, the thing
0: that someone had hacked from yeah. me yeah i do appreciate I'm, so pissed. It. I'm pissed that it got out i don't know like i tried reporting and flagging it, it really makes me mad okay. well for what
1: it's worth number 1 it wasn't me number 2 i'm very flattered how much of my footage made it into it and number 3 i want to personally thank you for not making me look or sound stupid
0: i don't oh my god i thought you spoke so intelligently
1: well, I appreciate you making me not come off like a goon.
0: No, uh, but
1: yeah, I was I was in the first two bands that played Ghouls Night Out X. So yeah, I was there.
0: Yeah, that was a great show. It was a fun yes, show. It was fun, fun time. Fun time. Um, and then I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think if there's any other times where we had crossed. I mean I oh I saw you at the Mr Were you at the Mr Monster um uh, uh at at Clash Bar?
1: Yes, I was there. I don't know if I yeah. didn't see you there, but I was at the Clash Bar, yeah. I was Maybe I up, um,
0: I left early. I left halfway through the set.
1: I don't know. I don't I didn't run into you because I, I Jeff Grun was nice enough to give me the bass and let me play Guaranteed to Bleed with them, which was my favorite Mr Monster song,
0: but I don't think nice. I
1: saw you that night.
0: Nice. I came I was with Ramey. Ramey Stein. Yeah, and I know I know who
1: he is. I don't think I've ever formally met Ramey, but I know who he
0: is. He's a um, great guy. I saw him,
1: but I don't think I saw you.
0: I was who just is? floating around, walking around um yada 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 just sort of out there in the ether. Uh, it was a great show. It was gr- I was I was glad to see some of it. A lot of a lot of people in that room that night. That was a, that was a lot of people in that clash bar. Yeah. Uh, which I believe is closed down, right? It is. Now. Yeah, I,
1: I actually live. A shame. Um, I, I I'm like a a five minute drive, ten minute walk from where Clash Bar was. Mm. I, I used to walk there, but um, yeah, it's gone.
0: It's a it was a great it was a great place. Uh, some people have made their whole careers there. You know, so. It was an interesting room. I liked the place. I just always well, it had a hole going down the middle, right which
1: in front of the stage. That used I to drive me that. nuts.
0: Yeah, it drove me nuts. A cool room,
1: and it got yeah. points for having that really cool New York Dolls poster with Jerry Nolan's drums on display. I
0: don't know but if I saw I was like, where was that located. I don't even remember. That
1: was um, if you're facing the stage, and you're in that that main area where the stage was. Yeah. Uh, upper like like if the stage if you're looking at the stage like a watch and the stage is 12 the yeah. poster was like between 1 and 2 it was like in that upper huh. right hand corner area
0: yeah it's just a shame that it's gone man i'm yeah, it's really, place,
1: really just huh. really weird design I'm like who who puts a pole right in front of a a stage
0: i think that but. being at that J- uh, impromptu jason Trioxon memorial concert was a great last show to go to that place and hang out with like, it was like a, it was like a, a, a just a, a smorgasbord of people that I had met over the years and just had known from various different communities and just hanging out and shooting the shit with everybody. It was a lot of fun. Truly.
1: I mean, it, it, it would have been, see to me, I, I get what you're saying. Um, I would have considered it fun if, if I was there for any other reason
0: yes 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 it was it was you're, you're absolutely right and it was a very somber i did not go to any of the other things because again i was not uh jason and i were not cool when he passed away and you know him and i had had a falling out and i just felt like kind of it was a little disingenuous but i i thought that it, the the nice thing to do would just be to pay my respects at that show sure which is what i i did so I was glad to be there uh, in in his uh, in honor of his memory. Um, and Robbie's saying that we actually had crossed paths at the Robbie Bloodshed uh, Zombie Mafia Blitzkid show, where Blitzkid didn't play. Do you remember this? This was this must have been November of 2011. This is when I first met Robbie. Actually, was that the, Young um, the one in Trenton?
1: The only show yes. I remember. I didn't yes. remember. Rob, you got to forgive me. I'm old. I'm senile. I don't remember that you were on the bill. I'll take you for your word for it. I just remember that we got down there and we were all set. And then Blitzkid wasn't playing. I I think Goolsby got into it with their sound guy and they left. All I remember is the, the venue gave us their food. We got we got we got paid and we got their food. That's literally so, all I remember.
0: What I remember from my POV. I you know, Goolsby actually explained the whole thing to me and I forgot when I was on tour with him. I think he or before I had gone on tour with him, he actually told me what had happened. And I don't remember. But basically they had come in for a show. The silent horror guys were backing them up at the time. Yeah, the guys yeah silent I horror. And um they 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 flew in. That was actually, I didn't really meet Tracy. That was the first time I, I Tracy and I were at the same place. Um, and what had happened, yes, yeah, so it was something surrounding their food. Maybe they uh something was there was something weird and and yeah, they were they were being treated, Blitzkid were being treated very uh poorly. And they had, yeah, you know, just been on the road. Yeah, they 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 were, you know, uh weary from the road or something, and they wanted maybe they wanted to eat or something, or I, I forget something happened around that. It was around uh, um, uh, being treated like dog crap. And so they were like, you know what? We're not even going to play the show. Screw you. And they bounced. And uh, I was there because uh, I actually, I, I did some video for Robbie set that night, but also um, the way I had met Goolsby in the first place was he, he did an interview for my Misfits documentary and he, I needed him to sign a release. And so I came down to the show for him to sign, them. and it was funny. I didn't know his real name. I think. I think maybe I knew his name was Steve, but he's like signed his name Steve Matthews. I thought I was like, "Whoa, Steve Matthews. That's funny," because uh, you know, just thinking Argyle Goolsby. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, and it was just so it was it was a, a Blitzkid show where Blitzkid didn't end up playing. Did They didn't end up playing. But I guess you yeah, we were I, there. We were both there. Yeah, I just
1: that? remember. I just remember. I I thought it was like. I just remember him leaving and almost getting into it with the sound guy at the door. He was so he I was
0: think. mad. He was re- he was yeah. really mad. Um and I and you know and the three guys just followed him right into the box truck. They he signed my 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 release and off they went to wherever the next show was. And that was it. That was the the band was still I don't think the the band had not announced that they were going to be breaking up yet. No, not at that point. Right. It was right before that. It was, it was, yeah, it was November. Cause I think it was February that they announced that. So it was like very, very close together. So I guess apparently we had met then too. And Robbie confirms that was Trenton, New Jersey. And Joe says murder Graham's computer get, uh, get hacked as often as my gear gets jacked. You know, Joe, we should put that on a bumper sticker, much like uh, stop making fun of Danzig. Um, Joe uh, Joe and Goolsby came to my house once to do uh, an uh, uh, an interview, Goolsby's interview for the Blitzkid thing, and Joe had these incredible bumper stickers that were like, but you put under a stop sign, and it just says "Making Fun of Enzig." So he put it. You know, the, the sticker is gone, but the mark is still there. Whenever I drive through that, because it's right by my house right now, live. Uh, but I always think of uh, I always think of that memory when I see the that stop sign, and um. Yeah, it was just kind of funny, but we should put that on a bumper sticker. Yeah, it's very sad. Um, uh, Someone had access to my uh, computer and and stole a whole ton of my files uh, without my consent. And uh, I looked into all sorts of options. I don't know what to do. It's just stuff is out in the ether. It's unfortunate, uh, real tragic, and um, I don't know what much I can do about it. That's and lame. Uh, yeah, it's just really lame, and they're like people can see all sorts of stuff that I don't want anybody to see, and it's just a shame. And that's that's all I have to cool. say about that. A real okay, tragedy, absolutely. if you ask me. A real tragedy. Uh, Joe says that Clash Bar Jam we did was 100 promoted word of mouth in the parking lot after Jason's funeral. Not even everyone who played that night knew we were doing it. So it was a very impromptu show, and it really had a feel. I believe you can find video footage of it. It's up on on
1: YouTube, some of the footage is.
0: Yeah, some of the footage is up on YouTube. And, yeah, it was just a really nice way for a community um, that, you know, holds Mr. Monster as dear as they do, you know, to sort of see off um, uh, this guy. Jason, you know, this this musician that that impacted so many people. Um, So I think that's that was pretty cool. I think that's pretty nice.
1: I mean, like I said, if I had been up there for any other reason, i had been like, this is great. You know, I love Mr. Monster's stuff. Mm -hmm. Guaranteed to Bleed was my favorite song. Mm -hmm. Jeff Grun was gracious enough to let me borrow the bass and play it. You know, I'm up there with the guys that played it. If I had been there for like any other reason, I would have been happy as a pig and slop. But you know, I I, it just I was grateful to do it. Jason and his music meant a lot to me. It was nice to be able to do that as a send off. I, I just can't use the word fun. It, it, that just doesn't feel. I right understand.
0: To I totally understand. It was in that way. It's bittersweet for you, as it should be, and I can totally understand that for anybody who was, you know, a fan of Jason's and Jason's loved ones. And I remember. I think I remember. You know, we were all shooting the shit outside. It Was me, you, Paul, Paul Klein. Um, uh, I think Robbie was there, and I think you were talking. You were talking actually about how. No, I definitely saw you there because we were all talking outside, and you were talking about how you knew that album top to bottom. That's how I drums. it wrote. Yeah. Was it uh, drums? Yeah, you told drums. me you were. T- we were all standing in a circle, and Paul, Paul Klein, Paul, Paul Lifeless was there. Yeah. And you were talking with him, and Paul was just about to become a barber. He was. He was training to be yeah. a barber. Now he's very he cut my hair. Company. Oh, I mean, did he? he? Oh, that's up. great. Yeah, I,
1: he came over to my apartment. He was looking for um, test dummies. I'm like, hey. You know, come on over, cut my the hair. The nicest
0: cool. man that ever walked the face oh, of the planet. One of
1: the best it's, drummers.
0: Oh, phenomenal drummer. And he, yeah. So we were all standing in a circle outside because I, after a while, it was the, 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 it was, uh, I don't think the bet the, the show had started yet. But yeah, I mean, there were so many. Emilio was there because Emilio yeah. had from the funeral, Emilio from Stellar Corpses, Tracy was there um Robbie was there Johnny B Morbid came out yeah Crown um, was there Loki Loki was there yeah. um it was just a lot there were so many people uh that that all showed up at the same time and I just what a what a nice uh uh, uh, uh not nice uh, a meaningful let's call it a off, meaningful yeah meaningful send off uh and eventually I guess it morphed into what Joe and uh Sean ended yeah. up doing um as i would learn i listened to like well, i just I, I loved listening to loki's show he stopped doing it loki has stopped yeah, doing it i heard I used to
1: watch it a lot too I, I haven't it, it was before. great for my walk
0: Dude, I loved I loved hearing Joe and Loki just like shoot the shit. I'd like listen to them on my walk and like hear them talking about stuff. I was like, and then you know, I just Loki. Loki is uh, Loki. Where are you, man? Get get back on it. Get back He's on the, the. See, show. I like
1: listening and hearing all about Mister Monster because I right. just want to yeah, learn everything. Can. It's it. true. I do know. I do know over your dead body on the guitar. Uh, Probably yeah, not, Back. probably not all the intricacies on the bass parts, but I, I mean, I could do the bare bones. But yeah, I used to put on when I would drum uh, at my parents' house. I used to put on "Over Your Dead Body" and just go through the whole album on the
0: drums. Wow. See, I'll be—I'll be completely transparent and brutally honest, uh, Mister Monster. I, I, there's like a handful of songs that I really truly appreciate. And the rest of it just doesn't doesn't connect with me in that kind of way. You I know, really like
1: – for different folks.
0: Exactly. And I understand its reverence. And, you know, uh, I know a lot of the guys from Mr. Monster. And, you know, but it's just not – the songs that I really love, truly, like, appreciate. I like Little Frankenstein. I love Tina and Freddie, obviously. I like Over Your Dead Body. I like I Gore Whore. I like – like, uh, oh, I like Prom Night. Prom night's a great song. Um what else? I mean, you know, in another in another lifetime if I had a small label, I would put out those songs on an EP. You know what okay. I mean? Like a collection of songs, like if I was if I was doing small small run presses of of songs that I really appreciate, there's like a bunch of things I would do. That would be one of the things because I feel like it would be a really cool release. That would be one one thing I would I would I would do. I think it would be really really killer. Um, yeah,
1: absolutely.
0: But uh, yeah, those are those are really. I mean, they don't really. The, there's a, there's the skeleton EP, skeleton, the crew, skeleton crew,
1: EP. crew EP. There's over your dead body. Right. There's the second version of over your dead body that doesn't have uh, guaranteed to bleed. Resident Evil. Probably some other stuff I'm forgetting off the top of my head. Sorry, Joe. I know I should know this. <laughs> um, then Jason did
0: oh Teenage Stark. Dreams Teenage, Teenage Dreams. Dreams
1: isn't on that, version 2
0: yeah but that song is that's like my favorite Mr. Monster song that's a that great one. I think I like that song a lot I really 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 do it's a phenomenal I'm song
1: Guaranteed to bleed just that would go on resonated EP. with me so that was always my nice. favorite nice um, But yeah and then he did the he did Deep Dark uh, there's the Skeleton Crew EPs there's two versions of that Uh, The first thing they put out was songs from the Crypt, the cassette-only thing.
0: See, I like that prom night better. I like that prom night the best. That's a good prom night.
1: Yeah, and then there's the... um, I don't remember how long it was up, but on the Mr. Monster site, there was a downloadable album called Breaking Hearts and Eating Brains. That was was the songs from the Crypt cassette Mm -hmm. tracks... Mhm. Uh I think that was also the All My Monsters tracks and uh I know I'll watch them die from the Cannibal Flesh Riot soundtrack was on that too.
0: Right, they did a he did a song for that and as well as Blitzkid, which is like Stripes the only time Stripes ever recorded with Blitzkid yeah, is that one that track on that that one track that's this that's this one immortalized sort of situation.
1: Which is- you know, the, the irony of him being like the longest running drummer in right band, but not being on any recordings other than that isn't right. lost on me.
0: And the person who's actually <laughs> the person who plays on the most Blitzkid song, maybe not the most. I actually someone someone could probably correct me on that. But who plays on their two, you know, seminal releases is uh Paul. friggin' Paul. <laughs> I'm not laughing at you, Stripes. I just find that that's just crazy. That, like, Paul, you know, you done the less less just, amount of shows.
1: Paul is you know? just such a nice, quiet, unassuming guy. And then you get him behind a yeah. drum kit and
0: he's played hat, on a lot of no stuff. fury. He's played on a lot of stuff. Hold on. Joe has left a lot of comments here. Let's see what he says. Um he says it didn't feel right to advertise. Uh Jason's mother asked that we do something, and no doubt the fellows were gonna end up all at some bar afterward. Yeah. That makes, dude totally uh Joe, you did it the right way. It makes perfect sense. Didn't think anyone would object to jamming at that point, and none of us cared uh what we sounded like. It wasn't about that. None of us had played those songs even one single time before that gig. Well, you know, it sounded pretty good to me on stage. And you know, Tracy did a pretty good job singing over your dead body. He really know he really can can do that song some justice, I thought. Uh maybe Jeff Grun, if anyone, I know. I knew he absolutely didn't know the material as he was never in the band. I just trusted Jeff could pull it off uh, uh, had he agreed to it, which he would have. Nice. And he I says, lastly, um, he says, lastly, you never heard as many Mr. Monster songs as you know. Yes, there is, there is uh, the, the, the what's been put out is only scratching the surface of the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. Uh, the tip of the iceberg for Mr. Monster. And who knows? what the future may may or may not hold. Um, but it's a good, it's a good, that's a good notion to know that, that not all is, you know, what is seen out there right now. You know, I think that's wonderful. Uh, a, a wonderful feeling for any, you know, fan of any band. Um, but what were we talking about? Right. Before? Oh yeah. The, the irony of, of Paul, Paul played more Blitzkid songs than Stripes did, but he did the least amount of shows and yeah. stripes did the most amount of shows. Yeah, crazy. Did Billy Bones? Did Billy Bones play on more studio tracks? Uh
1: Billy. Well, I know he's on "Let Flowers Die" and "Trace of a Stranger." Okay. Uh, so that's two albums right there. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm not sure where he falls on the stuff before that. He might have been on more than that. Yeah. Um, I don't know where where Stu stopped and Billy came in. I just know Billy's on Trace and Let Flowers Die.
0: Stu plays on Revisited and Terrifying Tales.
1: What about Songs for the Aesthetically Challenged?
0: That is Chris White. Okay. Songs for the Aesthetically Challenged, and here's me flexing what what Blitzkid stuff that I'm I'm aware of. Songs because I was not I did not grow up with Butz Kid by any means, but yeah, me I spent a great deal immersed in, in the their world. in the world, so I know a thing or two, a couple of things. I, th- I, would, th- I would, I would, I would imagine. I think I feel okay talking about. Um, and I would, and so the aesthetically challenged is actually just Tracy and Chris White. So Goolsby doesn't play on that, however it's not really a Blitzkid release in that... I mean, it is and it isn't in the sense that there's only one song that carries over to like the regular Blitzkid canon. And I think... I'm not even sure. I guess they were called Grape, and then they changed their name to Blitzkid. So it's kind of like proto-Blitzkid. So really, the first... And it came out way after. So the first Blitzkid really is Tracy, Goolsbee, and Stu. But but Chris White is always been like the shadow member of Blitzkid who is helping doing demo. He's helping Goulsby the demo stuff. I'm pretty um, sure he
1: did something on apparitional too. He sure
0: did. He played drums on, he played drums on head over Hills.
1: I knew he was on. So I, I knew he did yeah. something on that album.
0: He might've even drummed on more than that, but I know he drummed for certain on head over Hills. And I, he definitely did drums for the split personalities EP because I was in the studio when they recorded that or at least some of that. So, okay, I was down there with them. It was just me, it was me, Tracy, and Goolsby, and then a little bit it was me, Tracy, Goolsby, and Chris, which is like the original, slash, like legacy lineup. I guess you want to call it now. Yeah, I don't know. That'd I don't know how sense. you want to right? Because like he's the legacy member, the shadow legacy member. So he, you know, when it, when they when they do recorded stuff, you know, he, Chris is the guy, Chris is playing drums on uh, Gathering of None and he does, he yeah. did some of uh, he did some of Goolsby's or most of Goolsby's material, right? So yeah. uh, so then um, but yeah, they played, they did, they did, they recorded I think two songs when I was there, they did two songs in the studio but the real interesting thing was, and I have it somewhere on my tapes in my archive, is um, one of the earliest Blitzkid rehearsals was being digitized and oh, wow. I had some of it recorded. And it's like them, they're doing the pumpkin patch murders. We're all sitting on a couch listening to this thing being digitized. And it's like super slow. Pumpkin patch mirrors like the intro. It takes like fifteen minutes, not literally, but it's like super. Oh my god, it just takes forever. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah. So I think that I think Stu is on two releases. And again, Tracy, please correct me. Joe, correct me. Someone, uh, Robbie, Somebody correct me. Knows better than than either do. one of us. Um, I think it's Stu on the first two. My, not including Chris White on, on that first demo, which was really just a demo, they did it on a four track in Chris White's bedroom at his house in Bluefield. Okay. Um, and it was just, I don't even think there's, I'm not sure if there's bass or if it's just guitar and drums. It might just be guitar and drums and and Tracy's vocals. And that has Slaughter on the Sock Hop. And then every other song, Couch Potato Romance, all those other songs, those are not really Blitzkid songs, even though they those are grape songs or songs that would eventually uh, be uh, cast aside. Um, and then, yeah, Billy Bones for those next two releases. So, however many yeah. songs those were, then you have Paul Klein. Yeah, and then um, and then for for apparitional, you have uh, Chris Wright and you have go. Um, yeah, and then Chris White for split personalities. Yes. So I think that covers. Wait, wait,
1: Chris, I thought Dave from the Keeper Five played on Split Personalities.
0: That how many tracks is on Split Personalities? Four uh, or five. Tracks?
1: Man, um, I mean, I I know Wretched's on there, but I'm I'm drawing a blank for how many. No, Wretched, Wretched is not. Wretched they... is
0: not on Split Personalities. Nope. It's not? Nope. They do "Monocane Blues, Devil is a Vampire. They do
1: They do they do two of the Crib Keeper Five songs. They do right. um right. Lunacy, uh, uh Lonely Mr. Clover.
0: Yep, yep.
1: And um Midnight on Lover's Lane.
0: Right. Right. And then like the other two are supposed
1: to be on Split personalities, possibly, but yeah, Wretched was definitely originally supposed to be on split personalities.
0: I watched them track and record and have shot footage of them doing of them doing Monicaine Blues and The Devil is a Vampire, those are the two tracks that they had done. So I I thought,
1: I thought, yeah, those
0: have Chris White. Nope, Chris White.
1: Well, I, I mean, I just mean on split personalities. I thought Dave did the drums on it.
0: Maybe for the Crip Keeper 5 side or maybe for the Crip Keeper 5 covers? Maybe. I have to ask Tracy. Um, And then then I'm trying to think, was there one other thing? No, that's probably it. Hold on. Let's read these comments. Uh, Mr. Monster is best digested. Hearing the original version of Over Your Dead Body from front to back, the second and more common version of Over Your Dead Body is not exemplary of the band okay fair enough joe listen i have still not heard the original version of over your dead body um so you know the, that could be the case i think you gave me or i took from you version two i on when we were on tour i uh i got to take a bunch of joe's music so i got a i've got a bunch of tasty but he's little got
1: treats. a lot of good stuff yeah version he's one's some definitely tasty better. treats Version two, version two doesn't have any of the hard stuff like uh, gotcha, like like Resident Evil or okay, um, uh, Teenage Dreams isn't on it. Guaranteed to bleed isn't on it,
0: dude. That uh, Teenage, Teenage Dreams right. song, I know. I think that's Joe, and that's Joe's song. That's not even yeah. Jason's song. Yeah. It's a great song. Uh, Chris White plays on more than most people realize. He plays on only a few songs on some records. But he's there more than most realize, uh, and apparently, Bat Whispers is Chris. I did not know that, so he played on two tracks okay. for certain. Um, Robbie says Chris does the Goolsby tracks for Apparitional. Rick does the Tracy tracks. There you go. So Chris yes. actually does half the tracks, or you know, whatever the Goolsby songs are. That's Chris. Whatever the split is. Okay. Wow, that's so interesting, and that kind of yeah. makes sense for their like. That's that's a very interesting that's very interesting uh, notion right there. Um, Robbie also says pumpkin patch was originally nowhere nowhereville from the aesthetically challenged. See, okay, I've got to check that out. I never heard that. I guess I've never listened to it all the way through. The songs of the aesthetically challenged. Uh, Joe uh, says, "Wow, this is a, turning into a serious Blitzkid uh, Blitzkid uh, history crash course." Um, Joe says, "In my opinion, the feather in Mister Monster's cap." Was very specifically that first version of "Over Your Dead Body." All right, Joe, I got to hear it. Where can I listen to it? It's not, it's not. It's out of print. Is it on YouTube? Send it to me, Joe. Send it to me. Save um, your
1: pennies and find a version on eBay. Oh, uh, uh,
0: man, I can. I can only imagine. Robbie says, uh, "Wretched was recording recorded during those split sessions." Oh, how about that? He's right. Because Split Split Personalities was recorded over a long, I guess, a longer period of time. Because I only saw the, the the tail end of Split Personalities, and it was on a bootleg that was distributed underground. How about that? Okay, so a bootleg version of Split Personalities does have wretched. So that does that does answer your your question there, Mr. Zombie Alex. And and Joe says it's very long. I guess he's talking about um, over your dead body, uh, especially. For a horror punk record, 19 tracks, 22 were recorded in the session, and we both added and forgot to record a song, not including the intro. I have, and lost, I can't find it. It's somewhere in my archive. I have uh, Stripes and Joe doing these acoustic renditions of the song Over Your Dead Body as they're practicing for Ghouls Night X, Ghouls Night Out 10. And you really just hear the bare bones of the song and it, they're, it's really great recording. It's so great. It's so great that I wish that it existed. It should be released in some way, shape or form. It's, it's that great. And if I could find it, I surely would give it to Joe for him to do with that as fancy, but I have no idea where it is. I truly don't. I can't, I've looked and I've looked and I've looked and I can't find it. I just want to hear it again because I remember that's what I really was made aware of like, Oh wow. You know, the songwriting of Mr. Mont's is pretty great in, in terms of, you know, this over your dead body song. I was like, Whoa, that's like a really great song. I didn't know what they were playing. They, they, we were in, we were in Utah, I think, or something. And they, uh, stripes and, um, stripes pulled out a an acoustic. Joe had an acoustic. I don't know. remember where Tracy was. Uh, uh, I think Goolsby was sleeping in a, in a hotel or something. And, um, we were just in this box truck and they're just, they just start jamming out. I was up in the, the, the loft the, where the bed is, and they were just jamming out on this song. And it was really freaking great, man. Really, really great. Yeah. It's a good one. Uh, Joe says it's the variety and the journey of over your dead body that I find most admire of it. And I agree not to mention it's production packaging. It's a hefty offering with a lot of variety. Um, which I believe is one of the reasons why you can't you can't actually put over your dead body on an LP because it's too freaking long, which goes back to like, hey, do an EP with like the creme de la, not the creme, for me, the creme de la creme, but like, you know, I'm sure any fan would want every fucking song on there. But for me, I'd be like, all right, let me cherry pick the songs that I just really just want to hear over and over and over again. And it would be. I feel that way about a lot of records. There's just a lot of different records out there where I'm just like, give me these like five songs on an EP, and then like make a super, like like a like a sharp EP that cuts you, like cuts your cheek and makes you bleed. You know, when you listen to it, just or fast. you know,
1: fit everything on a double album if if it doesn't fit on one. That is there's also. No, there's no Mr. <laughs> Monster fan out there that's going to want you to cut that and make it a single album. Oh, if you're it so right. Comes down to having everything on two or cutting it in you're right. one. You're You're not going to find anyone who's going to want to cut
0: it. You're right. You're you're absolutely right. Only someone who is a casual listener like myself of Mr. Monster would would want that. You know. Don't seem to be
1: too many of those out there, Jeff. They're, they're they, not. They're, they they the fans tend to be you know, pretty rabid for that band.
0: It's the same thing with Blitzkid. And, you know, the yeah. irony is, the irony is, and I love, I really do. I've, you know, touring with the band and whatever with the band, I've really grown to love and admire their music. Um, but it's kind of ironic that the band I've seen most times live happens to be Blitzkid. I've seen Blitzkid 55 times live. It's crazy. That's a nice even number. That's a nice even number. It, a nice, Well, round number. I don't know about even. Yeah, it's an odd a nice number. round number. Joe says, it very well might be the longest horror punk record recorded in a single session. Uh, and at the time, it was the closest to being compared to Famous Monsters, Digipack, over 19 songs, a major production jump. You know, Joe is giving away all his tasty tidbits that he could be saving for a, a, a wonderful Mr. Monster rep- retrospective. He's just letting it all out of the caboose.
1: I'm sure he'll tell it again if we're lucky enough to get that retrospective.
0: You know, I got to tell you, I was like, I was sitting here, I'm going as I'm, did you watch the thing I did, the 1979 thing that I put together?
1: Uh, I think I tried to find it and I couldn't get it to work.
0: You should totally watch it. Um, you should watch it on YouTube. It's available on YouTube if you're a Misfits right. fan. And I know you're a Misfits fan, so check oh, it yeah. out. It's the entire year of 1979 told in like three hours. And, um, you know, it's funny, I was kind of thinking in my head, like, like, will I be able to, you know, because I'm going to basically retell some of that story, but using footage that I actually have the rights to, like, featuring interviews from Alex Story, Argyle Goolsby, maybe Michael Graves, probably not, uh, Mike Elias, uh, Bobby Steele, Mr. Jim, Joey Image, R.I.P., um, you know, I just have like this laundry list of people and I'm going, can I, will people be interested in hearing, you know, a similar story that's already been told a few times um if it's presented in this way? And like, that's like my greatest fear. I I think the answer is yes. Oh, absolutely. absolutely yes.
1: Horror, horror but, fans are rabid. They'll, they'll take yeah. everything and anything they
0: can get. I got to tell you. You know what? My real like, if I really had, my, I gotta wrap this thing up. It's like I can't believe it's one o'clock. You're so easy to talk to, Alex. I try. I try you, not to, to be difficult. No, you're great. You're great. Um, I my dream, my real dream, my secret dream, is to is to make the finish the Misfits documentary. They came from Lodi, and then find the right tour package, and then. I'm not a musician, but I could go out with the movie. So have it yeah. not available for to own, but to instead take the movie on tour. Have the movie play and then have the bands play. maybe That's even a cool idea have like you know uh you know like a misfit set, you know, before or after live misfit set and show the movie, do a q and a or some bullshit like that. Um, and I'm just thinking in my head, like, you know, again, like, you know, touring will never be the same ever, but like thinking in my head, like maybe this is a way to show this movie, not to just like try and get in film festivals so quickly, maybe try and build some buzz in a really like trying to take a page out of the blood sucking zombies from outer space book. And, you know, they did this really interesting thing and instead like take the movie out on tour as if it was a band. And just let it play.
1: Really interesting idea. It's different, and you know, yeah, people like different. People are sick people of the like same different old thing. And literally, literally I have even you can, can even, set, you can set up a the step prediction. further. And like, if you're going to do a misfit set, like, I I would
0: not do the misfit set. Well, no, uh, somebody that, somebody if you else can have and have a somebody, do it. Yeah,
1: you could take like if you really wanted crowd interaction, you could do what they did at. Um, at Dingbatch that one time and have like Misfits karaoke, have members of the crowd come up and
0: do it. So, uh, for many reasons, I was not at that show. Actually, I think I was in Israel, which is why I wasn't at that show. I always go to Israel. My wife is Israeli. Um, yeah. I remember when they did that. That was, I think that's the first time that uh, Goolsby and Tracy had shared a stage since Blitzkid, which was really not that, that far apart. Right. It was only like three years or something, which is kind of funny. Um, but, uh, that is a phenomenal idea i didn't even think about that yeah, do a uh, misfits Groundy karaoke reaction. on the road yeah bring people up i mean shit i'd get down on that too i'd probably sing a song or two and um and and then show the movie and do that that would be a lot of fun like make it super duper exclusive like an exclusive package you know people would book that and then you just plug yeah, into absolutely. the pa plug up uh, – put put up a screen and then uh, uh, do a Misfits karaoke afterwards or do – or have yeah. – you know, if I find the right the right artists to do this package with. You know what I mean? Because it's like yeah. – uh, wow, you're kind of blowing my mind. You're like giving mm. me these ideas that I didn't have, even think about.
1: Have you heard of um, the band Punk Rock Karaoke?
0: Yes. I'm familiar with that. Same yeah. principle. There you go.
1: Just do that. Yeah. But all yeah. Misfits.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a, that's an it interesting. Merit. It's an interesting notion. I mean, I would have to, I'd have to, there would be a lot of logistics to figure yes, out. Yeah. But that would be, that would be a really, that would be really, really fun. Austin Smith says, I would have to do my whistle version of some kind of hate. I did a, um, you know what? I'm going to play it for you right now because I, I own that. It's mine. You want to hear something really, really fun? Really silly? I
1: think we both know the answer to that.
0: Okay. Well, even if you don't, I'm going to play it for you anyway, just because. Give me one second while I set it up.
1: Yeah. Uh, We'll
0: we'll end with this. Um, Hold on one second. My Lord. I was not expecting to go this long, dude. Mm -hmm. Holy hell. When you go, go, when you got to go, you you got to go.
1: What can I say?
0: Some kind of hate. See if we can find that on my channel. There it is. Okay. Some people are not a fan of this cover. All right. So, as I said, I'm not a musician. However, I, you know, I I love. I'm a passionate music fan, and you know, uh, in a desperate in desperate attempts, you know, it's very frustrating to want to make music or to try to make music and not have a musical bone in your body to do it. And so, not knowing how to play any instruments, I attempted to try and record a Misfits track, and what I, it ended up being this this acapella situation. And I'm going to play it for you right now. So here's me, Mr. Jim, and Franche Coma at Mr. Jim's store. Photo by uh, Joe Joe Truck. I'm going to play this through. It's two minutes. Ready? And let me, you should be able to hear this. Uh, yeah. Let me know if you can't hear it.
1: I don't hear anything.
0: Well, that sucks.
1: Yeah, it does. You Um, you can't get it to work. Just send me the link in messenger.
0: Yeah, I'll probably end up just doing that, but wait, let me try this one more time. And if I can't, if I can't get it, then I can't get it. Uh, Oh, you know what? Because I have to do share audio. That's why. Okay, now this should work. All right, ready? Hold on. All right. So I try to do my own arrangement. And this is my own version of The Misfits, Some Kind of Hate, acapella. Can you hear that?
1: Can you hear it? Yeah, my phone keeps breaking out like, or breaking off.
0: Here's the here's the fun part. This is the whistle.
1: like if you gave uh if the ronettes or the Shangri Las had male singers and were given a misfit song
0: i just it was such a fun it's just a fun little experiment trying to record something and uh trying to add harmonies where there aren't any um before don't
1: experiment you don't get anything new good
0: that's right. Austin says this sounds very close to the Fiend Club Lounge version with vocals. I've never heard it. Now I gotta listen to that. I, I never I, I
1: remember when that CD came out, but I never I never picked it up or really listened to it.
0: Joe says, I'm not saying it's better than or even as good as Famous Monsters, but I can't think of a horror punk record that was that long ambitious or was produced and packaged professionally from 2001 up until Goolsby's darken your doorstep record and he says we did misfits karaoke it was my effing idea that was not the GNO show we even got a C&D from Jerry for it okay I was wrong wasn't that a Ghoul's Night Out show no
1: that was the year that they didn't do Ghoul's Night Out that was right. the year where it was
0: they uh, fell out Rick with Matt Bats. pathetic yes yes
1: yes and uh right shadow windhawk played and right 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 karaoke
0: right uh that's a well joe that's a that's a great idea and uh uh might uh listen your gear gets stolen all the time maybe this idea is going to get stolen from you too who knows i mean that's assuming that you know again that a lot of logistics would go into something like that but imagine i mean you could literally hit every major city market yeah show the film show the film they came from lodi with karaoke set afterwards
1: holy crap that would be sick
0: absolutely that would work people would love it um okay i think that's it listen we have three minutes until three hours so let's uh let's cap it at three hours exactly so we have three minutes um if anybody else wants to say anything uh what what do you got cooking besides? So you got the you're doing the Robbie Bloodshed stuff. You know.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: what about Bobby, zombie? What about Zombie Mafia?
1: Well, we've been busy. Um, we shot a full set live stream that we're going to be throwing up in the near future on YouTube. That's wonderful. We um, we're also going to have a music video separate from that, but shot at Lovely. the same time. We've been using our downtime recording. We've basically turned our guitarist Eddie's basement into a recording studio. He's got all the gear, so we've been doing a lot of songwriting and recording. Um, you know, obviously, we can't be gigging right now, but we don't want to be wasting the time either, so we're putting it to good right. use.
0: Cool, man. That's good. Yeah, you um, know, it's
1: keeping my chops up.
0: What do you think? Uh, when do you think everything's going to go back to normal? And I'm going to be able to take my movie out on the road as a tour package.
1: Uh, I mean, I don't know. I'm cautiously optimistic. I work in a box office for a theater, a Broadway style theater. So I'm cautiously optimistic. Maybe sometime around September or October, things will start getting back to, I mean, I don't have any inside information or anything like that, but. Right. I'm hoping maybe by September, October, the vaccine and everything will be distributed enough that bands and filmmakers like you can start doing their thing again and maybe we can have some semblance of normalcy.
0: I don't think it's going to be until... I think 2022 is when we're going to finally start seeing like uh, a return to live show normalcy that sort of thing i think this whole year is going to be better than 2020 was for certain but i think That's it's going, going to be a well i mean we have a vaccine now which definitely helps a bunch but i think also it's um it's going to be a transition year people are we're going to transition we're going to transition back to you know uh some semblance of whatever you would might call normalcy Absolutely.
1: I mean, I, I'm I'm basing you know you know bands like Guns and Roses have their big stuff rescheduled for 2021, so I'm just hoping that they can actually, you
0: know, do it. Listen, I I hope for every musician, I really do. I I, I truly, my heart goes out to everybody. I've made that uh, abundantly clear nor- numerous times. But if I'm being pragmatic and realistic, I don't think we're going to see that transition fully until 2022.
1: Fair enough. I mean, we can all we can do is hope for the best and prepare for the worst.
0: And I get the ultimate validation from Joe. The vocals on your cover were more in key than most Misfits covers, including the modern, massive AutoTune ones. Good job. Uh, listen, I don't. I. I. That's a wonderful compliment. I don't think it was in key or anything. You know what it was? I literally took the track and I just layered over it in GarageBand, and then I muted. The original track, so I could stay in time, and that's just—it's literally like a—it's like I—I'm I'm a tracer, like chasing Amy. I just traced over it. I didn't really, <laughs> and added my own my own arrangements and stuff. Because oh, sure. if I were to, you know. So, but thank you, Joe. That's very—you're very kind. Uh, also, there is an acapella version of Astro Zombies on YouTube. Yeah, Glenn's isolated vocals, and you really get to hear the majesty of Glenn Danzig's voice on these raw tracks that were from guitar hero or whatever it was where he's just going oh, 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 like just like full on <laughs> i i uh I, I attempted to sing some misfit songs when we were doing uh 10 favorite misfit songs 10, ten favorite sam haynes songs 10 favorite dancing songs and Steve thing was like jeff you have to stop singing i was like I'm never, I'm never gonna stop singing last thing before you go i didn't ask you the thesis question because i always forget because i'm an idiot like that The thesis question of the show. The show is called Pizza Punk. Zombie Alex is Pizza Punk, and I was waiting for you
1: to ask me that. I was okay. Why? Uh, My answer is yes. Okay. Pizza Punk. Now I I do want to say, to be fair, when you had Robbie on the show, he brings up a good point. You know, the the kind, the margarita, the fancy stuff. Not right. Here's my thing. Right. Your stereotypical pizza, your crust, your your marinara, your mozzarella cheese, the, the uh-huh. pizza that when you, when you say the word pizza, nine-tenths of your audience is going to think of that. Right. And to me, it's punk rock. And my reasoning is, number one, you know, the Ramones had pizza like every meal when they were on tour. They yep. have only been Domino's, but at least it was consistent. They knew what they were getting. Number two, in Cheetah Chrome's book, which I mentioned before, right? he mentions, you know, when they were first in New York, they basically made enough money for a pack of cigarettes and a slice of pizza a day, and then they'd eat dinner at CBGB's, the chili. God bless them for being Steve. brave enough to do that. That Steve but, would jerk off into. Steve. Yeah, but the point I'm trying to make is to me, punk rock isn't your your leather jackets, your spiked hair, your your hardcore guitars. To me, punk rock is like Richard Helen the Void. My ideal on punk rock is like making the most with what you have. It doesn't, you know, it it doesn't have to be your stereotypical punk sound. It's it's doing what you want. And typically, it's it's the opposite, or, or just wanting to break away from the normal. And pizza is cheap, it's effective, it'll feed you, and the original punk band survived on it. It's making the most with what you have. It's making the most with those three ingredients. So to me, pizza is punk.
0: Well, well friggin' said. Well said. Zombie Alex, I want to thank you so much for being on the show. This was truly pleasure, great.
1: Man. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. it
0: Joe says, man, it up with you. Joe says, man, I'm bored as fuck. Interacting, t- interactive TV is just too much fun. I love both you dudes a ton. And y'all have too many questions and questionable comments for me to uh, uh, to have exhibited any discipline. Joe, I thought you did a great job exhi- exhibiting yeah, great absolutely. amount of discipline. So there's that. Um, Joe was gonna actually come on. Joe and I are gonna do a commentary for Return of Living Dead. I gotta figure out the nice. logistics, but we're gonna we're gonna talk about a movie that we both really really love, uh, uh, and that will premiere. I don't know live or somehow. I've, I've got to figure all that out. But that's okay, cool. that's it. That's another episode of Pizza Punk, peace and hair grease. Bye bye.